Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases. We are your horror hosts, Gilman Joel, Dr. Shock, and the Wolfman. All right, so we are raring and ready to go. Today, we are bringing you one of our most popular yearly traditions. We are sharing with you our top 10 horror movies of 2020, as well as, well as the HMP <laughs> community's collective top 10 horror films of the year. And honorable mention, which will basically be the year 2020. That's that's that that'll be the honorable mention of horror, I think. Am I? Am I mean, I... <laughs> honestly, a lot of people put that on their biggest did disappointment. They... <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I don't know about you two, but I am ready to get this party started. And I will yeah. say I will say I am proud of myself. Pat on the back. I managed to finally get in enough movies to have a top that's... 10 list. <laughs> That's great. That's, That's great. Awesome. Yeah. It's great to have Joel as part of the of the show. Yes. The top <laughs> 10 show horror movie podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, even though you did, which is awesome, I did want to be clear to you and to the listeners. It's cool if you don't have a top 10. Like if, you know, if you've only got a top three, we wanted to hear from those people too. And so, so not everyone submitted a full top 10, but we do appreciate that you were able to scrape one together, Joel. Um, personally i have just been cramming like crazy because i actually you know a lot of people said they saw more horror movies this year than any year past because they were locked up in their house um i because i was locked up in my house just had to watch comfort food most of the year you know mm -hmm. and i was locked up with my kids for a big portion of that and so i was watching kids movies for a big portion of that also i wasn't like i didn't have a lot of time to myself to watch 2020 movies um so in those last couple of months where i have been alone i've just been cramming like crazy 2020 movies and i am so over 2020 movies right now I'm really ready for <laughs> I, I don't blame you one bit i i got to triple figures but exactly 100 and then i said that's wow. it i'm out I'm done. I'm not I'm not watching any more. People would say, oh, did you see this one, that one? No, and I don't plan to. Yeah, I mean, I do plan to eventually, but not, I, see, I've never been the type of person who feels like I have to see everything that comes out this year. Right. It wasn't until, right. it's only the podcast that's pushed me into that mindset. I am totally fine that I watched Tremors and Lost Boys twice each this year. <laughs> Even though I could have fit in two more 2020 movies, you know, but right, um, you know, I you gotta watch what you want to watch, but you know, I do feel a certain responsibility with the podcast, so I was able to get about 65 to 70 in if you count the document horror documentaries. Um, nice, but considering I didn't watch almost any all summer, you know, for like four or five months. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah. that's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to say though, props to both of you though for giving me the uh the grace <laughs> to uh to do not feel too guilty cuz I I get your point, Wolfman. I mean, you feel like okay, I'm I'm hosting the show called Horror Movie Podcast. I probably should see more. But and I and I let both of you know, 
from my point of view, especially moving forward, I want to like there's ones that come out like this year, obviously in 2021, there's several coming out. I cannot wait to see. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm Jones. Sure. But and yep. I. I, I really admire and respect what you two did. I, I know I saw like uh, Bill Van Vagel, like his list. It's like uh, where, where you folks can just like watch a ton of it. It's for me. I don't know. It's odd. It's like I want to almost like savor them more for lack of a better way of putting it. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't like when I cram them all yeah. together, I almost find that it should, it exhausts me in a sense. Right. And, 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 and I can understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am exhausted from it. But, not, <laughs> but, but for me, it's the hunt for my number one like I, right. i'm just like okay i have to find the one movie that's going to jump to the top of my list and i keep getting it and that was the sad thing for me this year is i think i saw you know five movies that would have made my top 10 on other years and i saw 65 movies <laughs> that are like in the 7.5 range for me which i still liked they were still right. good movies but they none of them were like the ones that just really knocked my socks off. Yeah. So, and that was the disappointing thing about this year is just like, okay, I've heard about this title. I'm going to check it out. It's a six. Okay. I've heard about this title. I'm going to check it out. It's a seven, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was just, please let me find a nine or a 10. And I really didn't find a whole lot of films that worked for it. But again, on normal circumstances, just a horror movie fan, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. watch the cleansing hour and it can be a six and I can have a blast and absolutely enjoy myself. That's but a weird orientation you get into when you're like trying to build a list and you're like, well, that one wasn't worth my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Right? But it really was. I had a good time watching it, you know? So it's, it's a weird thing we're doing, but I do think, you know, I've heard from a lot of listeners that this is an episode they return to throughout the year our lists and the listeners list for recommendations when they're looking for something to watch the rest of, you know, 2021, a lot of people awesome. will come back to this list and be like, Oh, well, what did, what did Gilman like? And that's what they'll, you know, they'll watch. So and that's what they'll avoid. I think that's a service to the community. And, <laughs> and so yeah. even though I'm not like obsessed with new releases, you know, I'd, I'd like Joel, I, I, sometimes i'd rather just watch a retro movie that's fine but um i think we're doing good work here you know mm-hmm. we're doing the lord's work or the, the devil's work depending on <laughs> your point of view <laughs> who you talk to yeah so anyway absolutely but i'm i'm anxious to hear joel's list because i'm i'm it's i'm i'm proud of you sir for uh squeezing in as many 2020 movies that you feel you yeah. can put a list together we'll see how many if your number 10 is the turning or the grudge We'll know how many movies you want. <laughs> of, of the 12 you saw, I'm curious which made the top 10. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, and it's funny because actually my top 10, I honestly, when I go through it, I mean, I realize there'll be some on here. People will be like, eh, okay, well, but I, I'm like, I'm actually happy with it. And there was nice. a, there's at least a few on here that were probably in like like number one, two and three position from the vast majority of this year. Because like you, uh, Wolf Man, I was, you know, at home with kids a lot of these I couldn't watch with them. <laughs> and so right. uh, it, it sort of right. put me in, in a, that space. My wife is actually usually willing to watch a lot of horror with me. But then there's a lot of these that I was like I knew wouldn't be her cup of tea. So I was like, eh, okay. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I managed to do it. And I'm actually, I don't feel like I did it. My top 10, I don't feel like is like one of those where, yeah, you know, I mean, in a normal year, this wouldn't have been remotely close to my top 10. And there's a couple that probably wouldn't have been. They would probably been more like honorable mentions. But I would say the majority of them, I'm actually, you know, 
happy. I, I'm definitely feeling my top five. I feel really solid about and my bottom five. I mean, I don't feel like they're uh, too far off the mark for me. So awesome. yeah, that's interesting, Joel, because when I think about you as a horror fan, I think about movies like uh, Night of the Creeps and Return of the Living Dead and, and stuff like that. But the other side of you is this big thriller fan. And mm-hmm. this year actually had some really good horror movies that kind of rode that thriller line. Mm-hmm. Like I would say of all of the subgenres, you know, sometimes you have like a zombie heavy year or something. I would say that the horror thriller, you know, subgenre had maybe some of the strongest movies this year. So when I was looking over some of the movies that I didn't make it to, I thought, man, I bet that made Joel's list. I bet that made Joel's list. Assuming you know? he and, saw it. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I yeah. was wrong about VFW, but yeah, yeah. Which, there are some others that I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I I will be surprised if I don't see some of these on your list. Yeah. At least I would say you're, 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 there's a safe bet of at least one. And I saw three that I don't think you saw that I think could have made your list. So I'll yeah. save those for the end. Yeah. I think what I need to do is get really just better about, you know, like waiting until like that last six weeks before we're going to do this episode and then just contact both of you and go say, all right, guys. G- give me uh, yeah. g- give me my list that you think would be my list, and I'll go watch all those. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how close you are. See how right you are. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to doing this. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll each give our number ten, yep. and then we'll give the listener number ten, and then if one of the listeners, some of the listeners sent us a mini review for their number one film. Mm-hmm. So if uh, one of those mini reviews did come in, we'll hear one of the listeners mini reviews that correlates with, you know, whatever number we are on the list. At the end, we'll read the remaining uh, listener mini reviews for their number ones. And I do want to shout out everybody's number one because we had an unprecedented number of movies this year. And that's kind of one of those other things. There were so many small movies that came out this year. I think the listeners list and maybe to some degree our lists are kind of the more obvious movies because there were so many movies that just got like one vote or two votes, but that were fantastic movies, but just not enough people saw them because there was so much content online this year. I think it's going to be interesting. Do you want to speak to that, Dave, about how many entries we got? Uh, Yeah, I actually, I am looking at the uh, the spreadsheet now that um, Josh and I worked on for quite a while last week. And it looks as if, when all is said and done, looking at the total number of movies, it's about 162 films that got at least one vote. Now, a lot of them got only one vote, but that is something else. Great movies, still. Like, I saw a bunch of movies that could have made my top 15 that only got two votes just because a lot of people didn't see them this year. Right. I agree. Like, there were movies that were people's number one that was that was the only vote on the entire board <laughs> right <laughs> i want to ask both of you something though because this is the thing if i'm being honest this is one of the things that concerns me moving forward into this decade as a horror movie fan because i honestly and i've told you both this you know off the mic that i want to watch more and more older movies that i never got to or it's been like so long since i've seen them it's like i've ne- you know i never saw them and and, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. And my thought is, you know, as more and more stuff gets dropped to streaming, you know, does it become a point where like the, the need to curate that number of films? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the I mean, idea of what we're doing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just, so I'm basically being selfish. How how do I <laughs> curate? 
<laughs> well, I think you had a good idea. You can wait until later in the year and we'll curate it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ask my ask go. my friends who uh, who pretty much have figured me out because I'm a very well, simple person. <laughs> simple taste. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? There's just so much to see. That, and this year, again, like it was actually good. Like, I think I didn't see a lot of terrible movies this year. I think normally, like years past, if I found myself at the end of the year watching movies on Amazon Prime, those were probably really bad movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just didn't have that experience. I saw True. almost everything I saw this year was like above a five. That's actually a good I, point. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree. I agree too. You know, and, and it's something else because I I was the same way. In in, in uh for 2019, I watched a lot of Amazon Prime and I was seeing twos and threes. You know, just to you know, it yeah. almost seemed like just to just to squeeze in enough films to justify a top ten list. This year I don't think I saw anything under a five and even with the hundred, you know, I, the, the, I don't think I saw anything that was under a five. That's a very good point that, that even though there were, as I look at my list and I say, okay, the top three might've made my top 10 in other years, but after that, it gets a little bit questionable, but there were no real, even my disappointments are over a five Mm -hmm. and there's only portions of them that disappointed me, not the whole film, uh, in general and not to plug our sponsor because they are not a sponsor for this episode. Let's make very clear that any yeah. shutter movies that show up on our list are just because we liked the movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we intentionally do not have a sponsor for this episode. They're doing a gr- pretty good job of curating, mm-hmm. you know, and they're That's curating true. the smaller titles too. So yeah, that is true. You know, the bigger titles, you know, everyone's going to see. And then, you know, when it comes to the smaller titles and you're looking at Netflix, Hulu, Shutter, Amazon, and I do think of all of those entities, Shutter is the one that's most thoughtful about horror fans and is trying to get interesting stuff in there. So, I mean, I, I, I've yep. really enjoyed everything I saw on Hulu and Netflix this year. I think this is a better than average year for Netflix horror mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, in Amazon Prime, I almost just see more as a marketplace, like, you know, apple music or whatever but so you can have really big hit or misses with amazon but uh, you know even there again this year has been better than average yeah that's a good point i think i would actually say when i think about so-called disappointments for me it was more about i had a certain expectation and it didn't meet it so it's not really the movie's fault it's my own darn fault for having that attitude so but i don't think there was a single movie that i could point to offhand where i was like oh yeah no that was just uh, garbage i didn't yeah i I don't i honestly can say i don't think a single movie that i saw this year i could point to like that for myself very very few and i watched as many as i could fit in yeah all right then on that note you guys ready to rock and roll and Let's do it. Do our lists. All right. So number 10. All right. Now, this one I've gone back and forth on several times. (laughs) And very early on in the year, it was way, way higher. However, I am happy to report that my number 10 is a sweet little sociopath named Becky. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I... I haven't seen this since I saw it, which was months and months and months ago, but I loved this movie. Just it was in the same way that like, Better Watch Out was like a demented home alone. And this this definitely falls into that camp. Um, it's a lot of fun. It is just ridiculous. Kevin James is like almost unrecognizable at first. Right. Um, it, 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 I really liked it a lot. In fact, what I'm praying for is a sequel and the wait like 10, 15 years 
from 2020 and do it. That's what I want. I want to see awesome. Becky yeah. all grown up and where all that goes. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, I've seen some people who, who have said about about Becky. It's like, oh, well, could a, could a little girl really have done all this stuff? But you know what? You want her to. As you're watching yes. that movie, oh, you want to totally. believe yes. that a little girl can do all of that. Yes. And the hell with it. I mean, this is this is movies, people. Uh, yes. In this film, she can. Yes. And she does, and it's awesome. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. And and there was never I never strained credulity for me to the point where I thought they were, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, the things she does are really more about being just more clever <laughs> than the bad guys. So I, I never felt that. I mean, I guess there probably were a couple moments where, okay, you know, it's a bit of a stretch. It's a movie. All right. It's a movie. So right. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And so that is my number 10. Now, right. see, this is one of my regrets from this year because Ever since you reviewed it, Joel, I knew I was going to like it, but I, it, for some reason that kept me looking for movies that I wasn't sure about. And so this is one I never got around to. Really? I'm actually surprised. I thought you would have seen it. It's it's high on my list to watch. I I, th I honestly probably could have made my list just knowing what I know about your tastes and how in the ways they intersect with mine. We're not mm -hmm. always right on, but sure, I, I kind of sure. know in which ways we're similar. And yeah. I think I would have liked this one. Your review of this was so strong. We actually started pursuing Lulu Wilson for this movie I'm producing. <laughs> because I was like, she sounds really good. Oh, she was fantastic, dude. She was amazing. She was, she was great. Yes. She was, even, even with Kevin James in it, I think she was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she really was. Yeah, this is a, a regret of mine. It's going on the very, very top of my queue to watch. I don't have daughters, but if I did, I'd want her to be just like Becky. Uh, you know, it's funny. I feel the same. I don't have daughters either, but I feel the same way. I would totally want her to be like Becky. Can I show this to my almost tween? Uh, it's pretty gnarly, dude. The violence. As, like, especially it, in the last act. It, it yeah, gets a little crazy. It gets, it gets like, oh, not quite VFW level. At what age do I show this to my daughter? I'd say like mid-teen, wouldn't you say, mid, Dave? Yeah, before she goes on dates. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely before she, yeah, before then. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right then, Dr. Shock, what you got? All right, my number 10 is a movie that I think perfectly encapsulates what it was to live through 2020. And that is the movie Host. Oh, Wow. Uh, this was director Rob Savage's. Uh, he, um, I, I th that's what I think about when I, when I see this movie because it's one of those films that uh, okay, just to set it up, you know, you've you've got uh, these characters. They're um, all at home. They're all doing sort of a Zoom meeting. Going to get together one night and they're going to have a seance online, and they actually bring in an expert to sort of guide the seance. They're able to sort of contact the spirit world. And then one of the friends does something to piss off the spirit world. And things get crazy from that point out. I'll tell you what, this movie really did terrify me because it's a film that not only sort of encapsulates what it was to live through 2020, it uses that for the terror. You get the feeling that if these characters were actually physically together, this would not have happened. This only happened because they were meeting online what happens to them as the as the film unfolds and there are really tense moments throughout and you see them you know the characters sort of carrying their 
laptops around and and everything. It's funny because I, I just listened to um, Father and Son Watch Horror Movies, and then Pastor Matt also had hosts on his list, and he said some people were criticizing, oh, would, re- would people really walk through the house with their laptop? Would they walk through with their phone? Would they really do that if they were trying to, if they heard a noise and they were looking for it? You're damn right I would walk through <laughs> with my laptop. Yep. There's no way in hell I wouldn't walk through with my laptop. Um, so that's my number 10, uh, is, is host. It's one of the last movies that I saw, but it really impressed me not only from being like, um, a 2020 horror movie, but the fact that it, the fact that it was set in this pandemic with everybody at home is what added to the horror Mm -hmm. and made it the horror that it was that they wouldn't have had, had they all been together. So that's my number 10. Yeah, and there were a couple movies made during the pandemic, but the fact that they made this, got it out, and it was so good on top of that is is pretty impressive. Yep. You know, it's it is for a lot of us what life has looked like. And so I think that was yeah, that's just really effective. As little as I'm interested in seeing a bunch of pandemic movies <laughs> at this point, um, man, they really nailed it for like the first big one out of the box. So I you, agree. You hand it to them. Yep. All right. And then my number 10 is usually a spot on my list that I try to put in an underseen film or a quirkier film or something that I just want to give attention to. I don't know that there were a lot of those types of movies this year, just because again, everybody, everybody saw everything this year. It seems like to some degree, but this is a quirkier film. Um, I really enjoyed it though. It's definitely not going to be for everyone but my number 10 is called scare me. And I've talked about it twice on the show in the past this last year. I thought it was so creative. It's essentially a horror anthology without ever cutting to the anthology segments. It's two (laughs) horror writers sitting in a cabin in the woods, telling each other scary stories. And you know, you, what you expect is it's going to cut away, you know, and they're going to be doing voiceover for a minute and then it'll go, you know, it's just what every horror anthology is. But no, this just has these two actors on screen the entire time telling the story. And it's still so intriguing. It's so much fun. It doesn't carry the same level of quality for me all the way to the very end, but I still loved every minute of it. Um, Josh Rubin, is the writer director and one of the stars the other star is aya cash she's so good in this she is really to me the standout in the film but i just love everything about this movie in terms of its creativity uh scare me yeah just a really good horror comedy it's very oddball it's very quirky it's very indie in all the right ways for me though i loved it i agree i agree with you 100 percent. but you know what i like the pizza guy who was the actor who played Oh, he's fantastic, too. He's on Saturday Night Live, uh, that actor. It's Chris Redd. And um, okay, he's yeah. he's on the current SNL cast, I believe. But um, Nice. Yeah, he's good, too. I just I think he doesn't have as much to care. I think Aya Cash is the one that really, like, yeah. has so oh, much absolutely. in the film. She's, she's tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous in that. Absolutely. All right. So what do the listeners have for number 10? All right. The listeners uh, for number 10... And I'm just going to put this out there without without revealing what the picks were. Between number 10 and number 8 are two points, are wow. two votes. <laughs> it, it literally is one so, uh, separating numbers 10 through 9 and then 9 to 8. 
Every vote matters, guys. Every vote matters. Get out there and rock the vote. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, we were putting these together. Josh had said, well, we have the honorable mentions, but I don't think, you know, they're going to really change anything. And I looked and said, well, we have a bunch of movies here separated by a single vote. I think the honorable mentions are going to matter. So we ended up going through every honorable mention. Um, But number 10 for the listeners is Relic. Mm. And we do have... From the listeners, whose number one film it was Andred, former uh, former guest guest of uh, HMP, uh, it was his number one horror film of the year. And uh, what Andred had to say about it is, uh, I suspect that Relic won't be at the top of most people's lists because it's slow and brooding rather than jump out of your seat scary. But it rose to my number one spot for its exquisite gothic tone, the story's emotional resonance, and its gut punch ending. From the setting of a decaying rural home to the themes of family neglect passed down the generations to the visual dominance of a mold-covered window, every aspect of Relic is fueled by gothic sensibility. The three main characters, a grandmother, mother, and granddaughter, are played with nuance and sympathy. Building psychological horror culminates in one of the most disturbing depictions of body horror I've seen, yet it is also infused with a real tenderness very rare for such a grotesque moment. Not only is it the best horror movie of 2020, it is one of the horror genre's most thoughtful and empathetic representations of dementia, a disability that film does not often depict kindly. Uh, Ads, looking forward to the top 10 of 2020 episode, but I don't think I could have said it any better than that. Um, uh, Thank you very much, Andred, for for your thoughts on that. That is is amazing. And so that is the listener's number 10, Relic. All right. Number nine. (laughs) All right. So my number nine is a movie that oddly I didn't think would have been on my top 10. And this is probably one of those that again, blah, 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 different year, yada, yada, yada. However, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I enjoyed the heck out of this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. And that is why my number nine pick is underwater. Nice. Yes. I was like, you know, I remember my awesome, I, I remember my dad taking me as a kid out of the abyss and then Leviathan, like going to the theater and seeing those. And then, you know, I, I didn't see Deep Star Six until much later, but just that I like that subgenre. And this just hit all all the, the right little moments for me. Like it felt like it could have been released amidst all of those at that time. And I thought Kristen Stewart was fantastic. I, I really liked her in the sort of pseudo Ripley role. Um, yeah, I, I really liked Underwater quite a bit. Yep. I, I think we can finally put to rest the Kristen Stewart bashing oh, after yeah. Personal Shopper and oh, this yeah. film. Yes. Oh, and um, did, you you know, go, did you guys see on uh, Hulu, uh, what was it, The Happiest Season? She was fantastic. I, mean, I in didn't that. see it, but I saw. I didn't see it Dude, yeah. she was she fantastic. Looks good in it too, she was yeah. she was fantastic. Yeah, she's, uh, she's doing good. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that's right. Wolfman, I think of the three of us, <laughs> may have the bigger issue. <laughs> I forgot about well, that. I've, I think I've seen more of the Twilight films than you, you probably. Guys. Yeah, I have seen none. So yes, you have. If you've seen, uh, yeah, if you've seen one, you've seen more than <laughs> me, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been following her since she was a child actress because I have kids, and so I had seen all these kids movies of hers. Um, I, I remember catch that kid. Well, this is the thing. I was working at a video store 
around the time I got married. So I thought, well, every movie that's like an above average kid movie, I'm just going to buy on DVD now so that I have it when I'm, when I'm a parent. (laughs) So, because there's so many bad kids movies. That is very true. And so I had this movie, catch that kid. She's in panic room. I like panic room. Yeah. That's a great one. So anyway, I, yeah, I really had disliked her a long time, but she's, uh, she's doing better. Yeah. Got to hand it to her. She's good. And I, and I, I was, I, I, you know what, without having ever seen the twilight movies, I had that same sort of, um, you know, uninformed opinion of Kristen Stewart, but, uh, personal shopper. She was amazing in that one. And I think she did a great job as, as Joel was saying, the Ripley-esque character in underwater. She was really, really, uh, a strong lead in this. Yeah. I think she, not to go on a Kristen Stewart tangent, but she has, she's an introvert in real life. And I think she has this kind of like guarded, thing with her emotions mm-hmm. that isn't great as a lead in a lot of movies. Like it's a, it's kind of like tw- something like twilight. You need someone who is maybe more outgoing or like, I don't know, more evocate, like more charismatic, charismatic. Yeah. But yeah. in the types of roles she's choosing now, she's choosing roles that fit her better and she's really good in them. It's kind of like how Keanu Reeves was for a lot of years. Yeah. was like, he's wooden. Yes, that's a fair He has no emotion. And then he started picking roles that fit his type, and he is great. Yes. Yes. And I think, I always think of her as like a female Ryan Gosling. Like, there's that same (laughs) sort of vibe, you know, that kind of guarded and, you know, and he gets that a lot, too, I think, from some people who don't enjoy his work, uh, Daryl. He can be very theatrical. I don't think she can. Oh, okay. All right. Like, you know, because he's a Disney Channel kid. Oh, I guess he was. See, I don't I didn't watch any of him. I, I'm more used to all both of them. I'm used to their uh, more adult work. I think Panic Room is probably the thing I remember her from the most when she was young. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Underwater, that's my number nine. I'm sticking to it and I'm proud of it. It's a good movie. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the director is signed on to do the new Paranormal Activity, which okay. I'm really excited about because he's such a visual director. Mm hmm. And I think to bring someone who is that visually exciting to the paranormal activity franchise could be really great for that franchise. Yeah. Um, it could be very interesting. He did. Um, he was hooked up with Tom DeLonge when Tom DeLonge started this to the stars Academy mm-hmm. stuff. He did a movie called love with Tom DeLonge, like angels and airways movie and a bunch of music videos for angels and airways and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and then moved into directing. If you haven't seen his film, I think it's The Colony. That was a great sci-fi horror film as well. But uh, this was a much bigger undertaking for him, and I thought he did a fantastic job. There was a comment we posted on the HMP Twitter, the news about him taking over the Paranormal Activity franchise, and one of the comments kind of snarky was, oh, so what, nothing's going to happen for most of the movie, and then Dagon shows up at the end? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which which is was-, in, was an interesting comment, especially since one of the things I loved about Underwater is that he gets right into it. The fact yes. that like literally yeah, in the first two does. minutes, yeah. <laughs> it's normally would have had 30 minutes of buildup to where this thing goes in the first two minutes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's fun. It's a great movie. Yeah. All right. Dr. Shock. What's your number nine? Doctor. Okay. My <laughs> number nine is Relic. And you know what? I, I, I'm not going to say too much because I think Andred probably said it better than I could ever say it. <laughs> but one of the things I really did like about Relic, um, 
I did think it had this this sort of sense of dread that hung over it. And yes, it is a, a quote unquote slow burn. Uh, but I think 2020 kind of redefined the slow burn in a way. You know, this is not the slow burn of The Vich or some of those other films that we got just a few years ago. I thought it was different because even if it's a slow burn, there's still this sort of sense of dread and doom that hangs over the film. And I think you got that in Relic. I think you got strong performances in Relic. But it really was how it handled um, caring for the older generation, how it, how it handled that aspect of its story and where it went in the end. You know, it's one of those films that as you're watching it, you're feeling the terror, but you're also emotionally invested in, in the characters and what they're going through until it gets to the very end. And you're almost like it almost can bring you to tears um, with where it goes. And, and I, that's an experience that I had years ago with the final girls. And I had it again with relic when you realize what it's building to, I was blown away by it. So yeah, that's, that's my number nine is um, the listeners. Number 10 uh, is relic. It's a great film. Okay. My number nine is a movie that I really loved. Um, it was very disturbing. It's really off putting in a lot of ways, but that's what the Cronenberg family does best. I'm not going to say a lot about this because I know that it's going to appear higher. I don't know, but I'm guessing it's going to appear higher on a lot of other lists today. So I don't want to steal anyone's thunder who's really passionate about this movie. I did like it. Um, Possessor is a really interesting take on a hitman movie. Um, the, you know, does it in kind of this fantastical sci-fi disgusting body horror kind of way. And it was a great film. It was very original. Um, pretty depressing and nihilistic for my taste. <laughs> it's as low as it is on the list, but you know, just a great, great film. And it is my number nine. All right. And uh, Dave, what pray tell do listeners have for number nine? All right. The number nine film for the listeners is the HMP community holding up a middle finger to Joel Gilman Robertson. <laughs> it is VFW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and 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 rightfully so. <laughs> that one's that one's on me. That one's on me. I, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I I was a big fan of this film as well. Um, everything I everything you know, it's Joe Bagos, and and I was a big fan of Bliss, and I think with VFW, he even upped the ante a little bit um, with with the violence. He, he gave us all those great actors um, who, who we've who we've loved over the years, bringing them together. Uh, in a way that I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a, a fun movie. And um, uh, yeah, it's one of the ones that if I were looking at all of the films, I really am looking forward to seeing VFW again. Yeah, this, um, no one sent in a review for VFW as their number one, but one of our listeners, after submitting her list, uh, this is Ashy Slashy. She said, um, you know, I've seen a few more movies and I would have a totally different list now. So I asked her and I'll get to her, her email at the end. But I said, just send in what you saw and why your list would have changed so radically. And we'll read that on the show. And one of the films that she mentioned that I'll tell you about right now is VFW. She said, my reasons for liking this are kind of shallow. 
She said, it's fun. I love a hog wild all-star cast kicking butt and taking names in the goriest of ways. I did feel like the villain was a bit of a weenie and maybe that was intentional, but I didn't really care about the villains or find them engaging. That was the one area I found lacking. Other than that, I really ate this one up. Love the effects. So that's from Ashley Slashy. Wasn't her number one, but it was a memorable film for her. All right. And it was for me as well. Yep. Number eight. Like I'm putting a little, little something, something on that. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of something. something. <laughs> All right. So I, I, uh, this one, it, it actually kind of switched back and forth on my list. Um, and I, and I will be interested to get the reaction in particularly of Wolfman. But my number eight is the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Nice. I didn't know you saw this one. I, Interesting. I managed to get this one in actually not that long ago. And I think because of the way you presented it. <laughs> yeah. And and how you had said, like, you know, you, you had to kind of keep going back to it and like all the stuff. And I think the thing that I'm assuming is the thing that you disliked about it the most, which I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say it's a twist. It's a, yeah, I don't even no, know. See, that actually didn't bother me. I know that did bother a lot of people. It didn't bother me at all. Actually. I like that. It. I thought that was maybe the coolest part about it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Some reason I thought that might be it. And, and, and I really, I loved that part of it. Um, I love the cast. I'm marginally, Ashamed to admit that I felt like in this group, my, my wife like literally laughed to the point where she was crying because she watched it with me um, that uh, Jim Cummings, the director and writer, is the main sheriff guy. Right. He's a member of the cop, right. the, the one whose yep, dad the, is right. Robert yeah. Forrester. Right. So <laughs> the way he acts it, like where he's like having when he's organizing like the crime scene and how he's just like losing it with everybody You're out of your job. I, that was well, just that that whole like just that like the level of the frustration and he can't how I am like kind of ashamed to admit like I could relate to him on such a level. <laughs> yeah like i told my wife i know i told my wife i say i felt like like looking back at like my past you know like going my especially my 20s and my my heyday of wanting to be mr filmmaker like the way he is in that moment i was like honestly i think had i gone down the road of being a cop i'm afraid i might have (laughs) might have been that guy and i'm really glad i didn't become a cop (laughs) what i loved what i loved about it is that He's the main character, yes. but he's also the single worst cop. Yes. Oh, in yes. The history he's of film cops. Yeah, I see. I would be horrible. He's <laughs> like, I know that. I know it about myself. So all I'm saying is, I, I I don't know what it says about me that I could relate to him on some level. Uh, but I I really enjoyed it. Like way. I thought I was gonna. I, I was like, I'm looking forward to it. But I don't know. I just really enjoyed it way way more than I thought I would. And it, this is sort of like the inverse of VFW for me. I think maybe because, again, it's expectation, right? I yeah, went right. and yeah, I really loved it a lot. Awesome. Well, I don't begrudge you that. And, you know, Dave liked it, too. I, I knew I was the only person that hated it, but I it has grown on me. I've seen it a ridiculous number of times. I mean, I could have seen a lot more 2020 films had I not watched this one so many times, but I just couldn't kind of crack the code of what I didn't like about it. And so kept drawing me back and I love the setting and I like how the turn that the film takes for me, it was Jim Cummings that I didn't. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so now, now this is the point where we have to have the conversation with man. Yeah. So what is it about me? <laughs> well, I will say whatever's going on in your internal life is a lot different than your persona. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that, don't know that we're supposed to like Jim Cummins for at least a, the a good portion yeah, of the movie. It, it tells us a lot about people who lo- really liked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no I, I think he's funny. I think he's. I think the actor is really good at snarky. Yes, like that, and I think that's what's fun and entertaining about the character. You know what it is. You know what it is, Wolfman. I think what here's the all honesty. He, I could see in him like the darkest, worst part of myself. Does that make sense? Like I, I could see like had I gone down a different path, in different situations, uh, yeah. w- without my wife like literally saving me from myself. Uh, <laughs> if I had got, if I had been, a di- I could see me. I could see me like that part of myself that I'm not a fan of. I could see it in some of the things he said and did. And, I, that's, and really, that's really cool because yeah. the fact that you like that is is pretty great about the self-work you've done <laughs> when i see a character that's my worst traits i am filled with shame and, and, and more <laughs> regret whereas whereas joel goes hey this movie's going on my list <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's about right yeah love it no I, he's funny he's a very funny character um i i had a hard time connecting to him emotionally in terms of like I think it was just the acting. Like I didn't really get where his emotional state was. I didn't get how he got to those places, but I, I did. Think the writing was fun, <laughs> and he's just a funny. He's a very funny character, and I liked yeah. the, a lot about the movie. I liked more about it than I disliked. I think it was largely expectation for sure. Okay, hmm. fair enough. Cool. All right, Dave, what you got? The dark and the wicked. Nice. I really, I was thinking about doing that in that voice, you know, like from the humanoids from the deep trailer, <laughs> the dark and the wicked. <laughs> See, there you did it. See, uh, there it is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's moved just to, to set it up. Uh, it's about, um, the, you know, with her elderly father on the brink of death, uh, Louise played by uh, Marin Ireland and her brother, Michael, uh, Michael Abbott Jr. Decided it's best that they spent a few days helping their mother around the, you know, uh, the mother played by uh, Julie Oliver Touchstone. Uh, sort of help her around the family farm. Uh, but when they get there, you know, far from her saying, hey, thanks a lot. She's like, you shouldn't have come. You should not have come home. You made a mistake. And after a while, uh, uh, Louise and Michael realize, yeah, we probably shouldn't have come here. The movie has its share of, you know, creepy moments. There's one, actually a shower scene that I thought was very unnerving. But again, this is another one that is the sense of dread that sort of builds over them as the movie plays out. The supernatural takes hold, and it's one of those ones. It kind of reminded me, in a way, of when I first watched The Blair Witch Project, how I dreaded as it got closer to nighttime. I experienced that again with this as it got closer to the night, and you realized what these characters were going to be facing I I had that same level of dread. Maybe not quite as strong as the first time I saw Blair Witch, but it was definitely there. And it just remains an enigma. You don't know what this is. You don't really understand what it is that they're going through as they're going through it. And and uh, there were times throughout the year where it dropped off my list and it came back on. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, this one's got to be in my top 10. So yeah, The Dark and the Wicked. Well, my number eight is The Dark and the Wicked. <laughs> It's a, it's a film about um yeah I, I i agree with everything dave said it's a it's a great movie um i for me 
this year has been so hard. I mean, it's been hard for the world, but what I mean is for me, it makes it harder to watch some of these films that deal with loss and mourning and, and trauma. And so um, there are a lot of them this year. And I, as I look over, you know, my top 30, so many of the films are dealing with trauma. And I realized just now, as Dave was talking, I think that is actually the current trend of horror is, um, and especially as we're hearing from more, more marginalized communities, we're hearing more stories from women and we've got stories about the elderly and all these people who maybe aren't normally getting the focus of a film. Um, we're dealing with all these different types of trauma and it's heavy. And so I think that is part of what I was avoiding this year is because I just wanted to watch some fun stuff. Cause I was already down in the dumps due to the, you know, being in the in in, in uh, you know socially distancing and all of this stuff, and um, so there were films like this and other films we've talked about on the list. It's just like, man, I think I'm gonna like this, but I, but just the description of this film dissuaded me from watching it for a long time because you know it just sounds just you know the IMDb synopsis is you know, on a secluded farm in a nondescript rural town, a man is slowly dying. His family gathers to mourn. And I was just like, man, I, you know, it's already such a hard year. I don't think I want, but it's such a good movie. I just think yeah. for me, you know, I mean, this is a film I'm going to appreciate more in, during, in the midst of a really happy year where I've only <laughs> watched comedies. And then I get to see this really high quality film that's dealing with, intense topic and it's also just you know great straight ahead horror where the horror is is awesome as well um but i do think i i'm really i think that's i think i'm right about that and as even if i look over my top 10 list i can identify in at least half the films we're really dealing with trauma right now and i think that's an interesting thing but anyway yeah this is a movie i'd recommend people check out Uh, as well it's my number eight the dark and the wicked all right very cool what is the number eight movie for the listeners dave all right the number eight movie for the listeners now just to just to give you an idea relic had 165 total points vfw had 166 points the number eight film had 167 so literally (laughs) two points between those number eight for the listeners the hunt ah wow very cool very Which cool. is a very good choice. Yes. I, I had a great time watching The Hunt. I really did. And I don't know, does anyone have any quotes uh, from anyone on The Hunt? I do not have a quote, and I'm going to reserve commentary on The Hunt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's another one that's uh, uh, one of my regrets. I don't think I'm going to like The Hunt, but I did want to see it, and it's on my list of stuff I didn't get to this year, so... It's on my list. It's uh, it's not as high as Becky, but it's on there. So I, I apologize for not having seen it, and I will get to it. Well, right. if that's going to be the criteria, we have to apologize for those. I'm going to be apologizing a lot. <laughs> well, no. You know, for me, it, it's a personal thing. Okay. I'm not expecting of anything okay. of anyone else. Okay, okay. Uh, my own standard that I only hold myself. <laughs> All right. That's fair enough. All right. So number seven. All right, here we go. My number seven pick is a movie that I watched per the recommendation of one Wolfman. Hmm. 
That's good. Then it's on the list. Awesome. Yes. And so uh, this movie is a movie that when I initially saw like, some things about it, I was thinking, eh. and then you did your review of it. Uh, I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly, but you did a review of it. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm intrigued. And then I started watching it and I was way, way down for it. Anything for Jackson is my. Nice. Yes. I wow, love it. That's a fun surprise. Yeah. I was expecting you to say that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, cool. I loved it, dude. And, and it's funny because that was one I believe you said with just slight shift, it could have been a comedy. And and it, in a weird way, well, that was the one, right? That was the one you said. And it, in a yeah. way, it almost reminded me, like if if uh, Taika Waititi had directed this movie, <laughs> like <it'd> be, <laughs> right? If it had that like what we do in the yes. shadows vibe, like it could have so easily been that kind of movie, but it's not. And it's like and yeah. it rides that line so well. I love the the simplicity of it. Uh, the 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 guy Julian Richings, who's like the the doctor. He is actually yeah. he was actually I knew him from the show Supernatural. He played Death which was oh, perfect okay. for him. Um, I always and, think of him as the creepy janitor from Urban Legends. Oh, like, yeah, like, that's right. Yes. And then the the woman who is his wife, uh, which I believe that's Sheila McCarthy. Uh, I'm like watching. Her. Why do I know her? Why do I know her? She is the reporter that's following around John McClane and Die Hard 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, so funny. Nice. That's why I knew her. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's very simple. It's very just as nice, just kind of just tight simple little horror movie and it just it's so good i enjoyed it so much interesting yeah man i am so glad that you that you checked that out i was not at all where i thought you were going with this so that's that's <laughs> awesome. really interesting I'll, awesome. I'll save my comments for later but i'm okay. glad you liked it yeah yeah i really did liked it very a cool. lot very cool all right dave all right my number seven uh well, after the misfire that was 2017's The Mummy, the next generation of Universal's classic monsters finally got the first-class treatment with The Invisible Man. Nice. Yep. Uh, Lee Winnell's uh, The Invisible Man. This is, again, a later movie. I was real late to the, to the party with this one. Uh, I just saw this one a couple weeks ago for the first time. Oh, wow. Uh, boy, does it start off great. You know, you don't even know the characters. You don't know what's going on. And you're on the edge of your seat. That whole scene uh, where, um, uh, who is it? The Cecilia is is sort of getting together and she's leaving the house and she's sneaking around and, and trying to escape. We don't even know why. We don't even know what's going on at this point. But, but Lee Winnell brings us to the edge of our seat there. Um, uh, and the whole idea is she's trying to uh, leave her uh, very uh, domineering, very controlling boyfriend, uh, optics engineer Adrian Griffith, and she finally does. It's it's a we get the idea it's an abusive relationship, if not physically, mentally, or maybe both. And she's trying to uh, to ditch this guy, and she manages to do it. And then she's sort of high in hiding, and, and you get the feeling she's scared to death until she finds out Adrian. She gets news that Adrian has passed away. He has died and has left her $5 million. Uh, so she starts to relax a little until she, she gets the feeling, oh, maybe Adrian isn't really gone. There's a scene at a restaurant that is oh, yeah. <laughs> amazing, just absolutely amazing, and it just builds from there. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is tremendous in this movie. I really liked her last year in Her Smell. I thought she was really good in that movie. 
Um, and she was really good in another movie from this year called Shirley, where she played the title character. Just mm-hmm. an actress who's a, who's who's very talented and is just really knocking it out of the park as of late in the last few years. And she does it again in The Invisible Man. And I love that it it followed, the, you know, and when you think of the original Invisible Man from 1933 um, with Claude Rains and how you're following this insane character, this one you're not following the insane character. You're following the victim. And when the vi- and when Elizabeth Moss is sitting there and staring in a corner where you see nothing, you know there's something there. You just get the sense that she, it, she knows there's something watching her and you feel it the same way that there's something watching her. And that's sort of the level that this movie maintains throughout. That what you don't see is is even more frightening than when you do see it. I kind of go back to like the original Halloween with Michael Myers. You never knew where Michael Myers was. And when you knew where he was, it didn't matter what he was doing. There was a relief that, okay, now I at least I know where this guy is. It's the same thing in this movie. And in this case, you know, he's obviously completely invisible. The title, The Invisible Man. You don't know where he is. You don't know what he's doing. But yet, you know, he's there and there's just that tension is like, where the hell is he? And I love that about this movie. So that's why it's my number seven. Excellent choice. Very nice. Uh, my number seven is anything for Jackson. So, hey, uh, following awesome. you guys down the line here. No, yeah, I, I really, really like this movie. I was surprised, Joel, that you did call it a simple little movie because to me, it was just so wildly original. Well, I meant simple I, like, in that in in the like the location, the setting, the very small yeah. cast. I meant that that was yeah, my simple. I, mean, I think experientially, this was just the most fresh movie yes. that I saw this year. Yes, I was just like, "Wow, this is different!" Like this is totally original feeling to me. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, to that point about the comedy, I think it was the leads' performances that just made it yes grave. I mean, I think um, Constantina Montelos, she played it great, but I really, I mean, I failed it. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't say this to say I would have preferred it as comedy. I wouldn't have. I, I really loved what it was, but it is Julian Richings and Sheila McCarthy where I thought, yeah, if you had put just more comedic actors in those roles, mm-hmm. this would have played as a comedy, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just weird how that, how that works, you know? Yeah. But to me, the word for this film is grave. Like it was really sad and heavy and but in the weirdest way undercut with all of this just insanity and uh, it was just it was just a completely unique experience for me so i yeah i loved it and um it's my number seven all right dave what do the listeners have for number seven all right. After giving Joel the big middle finger with their number nine pick, the listeners come back and give him a nice warm hug by picking Underwater. Ah, there it ah. is. Yay. Their number seven film. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, it is. It's it's. I liked this more than I thought I would. When I was originally, and this is back when I was reading reviews, this is towards the beginning of 2020. <laughs> This might have been pre pre pandemic. This was one I could have caught on the big screen, along with the Invisible Man. You know, my yeah. number seven, uh, I didn't. This is probably the first year where none of my top ten were movies I caught on the big screen. You watch the movie, and you're like, "Wow, this is really a fun 
movie. And uh, Kristen Stewart was great. And everything you said about it, Joel, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And obviously the listeners do too. This one came in uh, with 178 total points. All right, here it is. Number six. Okay, so for my number six, it's a movie that I know scared the crap out of me because it could totally happen. And before you say, well, is it really a horror? Yes, because if Russell Crowe is chasing you down the road (laughs) in his big old truck (laughs) and making your life a living hell, folks, you too would think he's unhinged. And that's why Joel picked it as his number six movie. Nice. Yes, Unhinged. That was the horror thriller, I guess we could say, uh, Wolfman, that I I made sure to get on my list because it it really surprised me. I mean, I remember when I saw the trailer. That was when I saw the trailer for. But I remember at the time thinking, ah, it looks like fun. It's sort of like, you know, if if, uh, Michael Douglas's defense character from Falling Down was, you know, slightly less lovable. That is hilarious. <laughs> and, and way more brutal. <laughs> uh, it would be that. But no, this like just where it starts, like in the first two minutes, you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, this is uh this is no joke. And it and it just I don't know, I liked that it, you know, it, it begs that question of, you know, you know, everybody's having a bad day, and you know, you honk at the wrong person, and you just never know. They might be having a much worse day than you, <laughs> and they might be willing to do a lot of horrible <laughs> crap. And it uh yeah unhinged i thought was a lot of fun uh i love that sort of just horror thriller subgenre so ah yeah that is my number six awesome yeah that is the final of the trifecta of joel movies that i feel bad i didn't get to i i I had a feeling that would be on your list and i felt bad that i didn't get to it and that's uh glad to see it on there yeah i want to i'd like to know what your take is on that i'm definitely gonna be watching it that one's right under uh becky for me so Sure. And cool. You cool, know cool. what? I, I I saw a hundred. As I said, I I saw a hundred uh, horror movies. Exactly a hundred from uh, twenty twenty. I did not get to see Unhinged, and I own the Blu-ray. Oh, wow. I got the Blu-ray. I have the Blu-ray sitting yeah. here, so uh, <laughs> I will definitely watch Unhinged at some point. Um, but I did not get a chance to see it, and I think that's um, that's great. And a lot of uh, people have been just. Uh, I've heard. A, I've heard nothing but positive buzz about the film so that's awesome yeah it's it's a throwback to that like not it felt like that 90s style to me it just it had yeah. that vibe mm-hmm. and it just did but but even then the like the violence is like amped up just a notch <laughs> so I, I would really love to hear what both of you think yeah. that's yep. cool all right dave what do you got number six all right my number six film is a movie by mr oz perkins who directed my number two film from a few years ago, The Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. And this is Gretel and Hansel. And what I like about this movie, all right, the, the, the basic setup, you know, everyone knows the, the um, you know, the fairy tale, I guess, uh, of, uh, of Hansel and Gretel. I like that this one is Gretel and Hansel. I like that in this one that Gretel is the older sibling uh, in, uh, in this film, played by um, Sophia Lillis, mm-hmm. who everyone will remember from It!, you know, the, the it chapter one and Bev, you know, obviously yes. parts of chapter two as well. And uh, she and her younger brother Hansel are thrown out of the house by their mother. They have to fend for themselves. They go out into this dark forest and they meet up with uh, a woman who could very well be a witch. And of course, anyone who knows the fairy tale knows that she is a witch. 
played by uh, Alice Krieg. I love her. Yeah. Oh, she, I do so too. Great. I mean, you know, as great as she was in movies um, like Ghost Story and everything, when I think Alice Krieg, I can't help but thinking of the Borg Queen from, oh, yeah. from uh, yeah. First Contact, Star Trek First Contact. She was awesome sure. in that one. Ghost and story. she plays a similar character uh, in this one. Uh, you know, I love the fairy tale feel that Oz Perkins built around this. And it's because when you think of those grim fairy tales, they're really not all, you know, happy. And, and, and that's what you get in this one. This is a very dark movie. And the strongest scenes are when uh, Gretel is having her dream sequences. You know, Oz Perkins is one of those directors. Now he's on my radar. Anything he directs. I'm going yeah. to watch after the Black Coast Daughter and this one. I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. This for me was just everything about it clicked. Um, so yeah, my number, my number, what are we are? Number six is yes. the uh is Gretel and Hansel. I loved it. And and that's a great pick, Dave. And honestly, one of the things that struck me about it was how beautiful it is. Yes. It looks yeah. like an old painting. Like it's just beautifully shot absolutely i loved absolutely. the look of that movie very artfully done absolutely i think yeah. for me i think it may have been a casualty of my 2020 depression <laughs> like it was a little too bleak for me but it, man what a beautiful film uh, i i, I yeah. agree with you everything about it was just uh very very artfully done cool and quick question wasn't gretel always the older one like i never even understood I, I why it was called hansel gretel. i don't know i always thought I, well, she was I, you know obviously uh, what i love about it is just the changing times you know, maybe Gretel was always was the older one. I don't know. I always thought she was. I always thought she was, thought always she was the Gretel main character. Was just yeah. showing that the, the the way things were for so many years, yeah. and the fact that this is Gretel and Hansel, that's one of the. I mean, of the many things I love about this movie, that's one of the things I love about it as well. Yeah. Well, she's the main character. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and Sophia Lillis yeah. is great in this movie. Oh, she is I great. mean, she's one of those. She's, a great uh, actress. she's an actress, again, you know, like Oz Perkins, she's on the radar. I can't wait to see what she does next as well. You know, and I feel like I can comment on this being someone who uh, played Hansel on stage <laughs> in fifth grade in a high school musical. Very cool. Okay. I was cast as Hansel. <laughs> um in the missoula children's theater <laughs> very cool uh yeah i think i think gretel is the more interesting character actually yeah i just always remember the story as a kid i remembered i always assumed she was kind of like console was her kid brother and he was there and that's who she's taking care of but i don't know i i always just sort of assumed that like you know yeah and i don't know what it says about me though uh with alice krieg uh my first thought is sleepwalkers so oh, there's awesome. that <laughs> awesome. I, for me it's always it's going to be the board queen i know i get that <laughs> See, too. i think I of get ghost that story now i mean the i think the interesting thing about her and it's not as weird when you think of the board queen i suppose but she's so beautiful and she's and yeah. so to see her in this movie where she just is terrifying looking yes like she's not yeah. kind yes. of going with her you know most notable or most obvious look is really great i mean absolutely yeah, yeah. Wolfman, what is your number six? My number six is a movie that I recommended to you that I thought maybe you were going to say on the last one. Um, it's a movie that was negatively impacted because I didn't watch the trailer, didn't read the description, and thought I was walking into a werewolf movie, when in fact <laughs> there is no werewolf anywhere in this movie. Uh -huh. It is a fantastic kind of survival horror thriller movie and i loved it hunter hunter is my oh, number six it's so uh, good 
Awesome. Just a great film. Uh, I, I love everything about it. There are a couple of the performances aren't as strong as others, but it, it's, I thought Devin Sawa was so good in this, and I'm not usually a huge fan of his. I thought Nick Stahl was great in this. I think um, the actress who plays the mother, Camille Sullivan, was great in this, and the daughter as well, uh, Summer H. Howell. Just a great core cast. Cool setting. I, I, this reminds me of you know my time in Alaska, and it's just the, exactly the type of environment I enjoy. And so, yeah, it was a great little film. And um, a surprise. Not only because it wasn't a werewolf movie, but just a, I, I really enjoy. I thought it was very rich for how simple it is. And uh, I liked it a lot. It's my number six. All right. What about the listeners? Number six, Dave. Again, this is a movie that um, was early in the year. This is one that many could have caught on the big screen. Coming in with 203 total points is Color Out of Space. Oh, nice. Number six for the listeners. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it at this point. Yeah. But the listeners, number six is Color Out of Space. All right. Number five. Okay. We are on the back end of this thing. We're, we're, we're at the peak and we're, we're going down towards number one. For me, number five, I uh, was actually teetered in my top couple for a good chunk of the year. It was also the last horror movie and one of the last movies I saw in the theater pre-pandemic. And that is The Invisible Man. Oh, nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I, and to your point, I mean, after The Mummy <laughs> and that whole thing, and I mean, obviously, we had the Universal Monsters cast, and, and we were trying to be good, good we were trying, you know, Universal we were trying Monster to fans. to say, hey, The Mummy wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they were like, oh, and then you see The Invisible Man, you're like, oh, that's right. You could do this in a different direction and, and make it far more interesting than what that other movie was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I feel like, you know, what it's already been said covers it. it. It was just a really enjoyable movie. The performances were great, had some really cool twists and turns in it. Um, I'm, I'm also uh, becoming more and more of a, a Lee one L fan. I mean, I've always liked his work uh, with, you know, his writing and his acting. Um, but just as a director too, I finally saw upgrade this year for the first time. And I love that. Oh yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he's it's great. The Invisible Man is my number five. Beautiful. And let me just say that even though I, you know, we can say what we want about The Mummy, one of my favorite podcasting experiences was sitting in Liz's oh, absolutely. Uh, room and yep. with all of you together yep. and recording that episode about yeah. The Mummy. That yes. is one of my favorite podcasting experiences. Yes, that was it, it was it is it is definitely in the top tier. It yeah, was I, amazing. I still like The Mummy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't just I don't, I don't hate, hate the movie. I don't hate but, the mummy either because I like but. <laughs> the mummy itself. I like the mummy itself. I yeah. just think, you know, when when you see the invisible man, you could see, okay, yeah, we can update this to uh, a modern sensibility. It doesn't have to try to be Avengers and Justice League. It can just be right, a good right. horror film. Yeah. You don't like, you yes. don't necessarily need Russell Crowe. Yeah, sort of a Tom Cruise apologist. And so I like it as a Tom Cruise movie. It like, yeah. mm-hmm. but I, it is extremely disappointing as the kickoff and, and really, unfortunately, kind of the death of a joint monster yeah. universe, which is something I would still love to see. I and would so too. It was sad in that way to know 
but let's see blew it on that level. let let's see what they do now from the invisible man and this is now what blumhouse who yeah. had taken yep. over the invisible man let's see i want to see them do bride of frankenstein that's the next yeah. one i would love to see that's the next one out of the box i would love to see i know somebody's working on it i don't know i can't remember who at the moment uh, if i looked it up I, but um, ryan gosling's doing the wolfman i think that's the next one that's going to come out awesome you know, the Universal Monsters. Oh, uh, and have, uh, Lee Winnell is doing another film. Yeah, I thought I'd heard that. He's, what yes. is he doing? Um, uh, it wasn't Frankenstein, was it? It was Frankenstein that he's doing. It was so, It was one of the big ones. You know, it was definitely one it, of the big it's, ones. It's ever since they started and stopped. You know, what was the movie, the Dracula movie that came out a few years ago that everyone's like, no, you know, that they originally was supposed to be the start of it and then, uh, of the uh, Universal, the new Universal. Oh, yeah. What the heck was it and called? And then they said, no, 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 that's not the start. We're not starting it there. And then they came out with something else and it just kept starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And then the mummy was finally the, the initial and then it just didn't quite get there. I'd like to think of the Invisible Man as the start, and let's take it from there. Oh, man. They, they do that every movie at this point now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the um, it's true. So it turns out the the news from back in July is that Lee Winnell was in talks to direct Ryan Gosling's Wolfman. So that oh, okay, that would okay, be great. Yes, I'm and in, and there. look, I'm a I'm a massive Dwayne Johnson fan. All right, that would have sucked. But uh, that would have been horrible had they. <laughs> They made it Wolfman. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I do not want. Uh, no, I no. I'm a, no, I'm no, a no, big no. Dwayne Johnson fan as well, but I agree with you 100%. Uh, yeah. Me too. And, no. and me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love him. Yeah. I don't want him anywhere near this. I also don't want him to run for president. Those are the two things I don't want to see him in <laughs> is the White House and the Universal Monsters movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, now, wait, real quick side note. Uh, what about a reboot of Big Trouble in Little China, though? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, as long awesome. as as long as he's not Jack Burton, and they bring back like old man Kurt Russell as Jack Burton, I, I, and I, he could be the main I, character. I don't care about he, that as much for some reason. I love that movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, the Universal Monster for me, it's about I want to see this franchise revived, and so every time yeah. they have one of these stupid hairbrained ideas about reviving <laughs> yeah. this world, whether it's Dracula Untold, which I didn't hate, also. But it's just not the right thing to make. Yeah. Does it, right. You know, it just bums me out. Honestly, looking back now, want, you know, the Wolfman remake was probably the closest to what it should be of anything that's come probably. out. Probably. So. The one with the one yeah. with the uh, Benicio del Toro yeah, and Benicio Anthony Hopkins. Del Toro, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, uh, Dave, then what is your number five? My number five. How can you not put crazy in the cage? It's color out of space. <laughs> and you know what as much as i like nick cage in color out of space it's the other elements about it that really drew me in uh you know this is another one that i could have caught on the big screen i didn't quite make it i didn't i get didn't get to see it on the big screen but it's one of those one you know it's 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 got that lovecraft it's a lovecraft story obviously what was sure. the one from the 80s the curse with Will yes Heaton, yep you know, based on the same story yep of this movie uh, and then you see color out of space and you start to think, wow, this is what, you know, that this is the version of the story you want to see. And it's got mm -hmm. Tommy Chong in it. You've got crazy Nick Cage and Tommy Chong in the same movie. How yeah. awesome is that? You know, <laughs> and where it goes, though, it's it's where the movie builds to. And one of the things I love about horror and I love about movies in general or when they surprise me. 
This movie surprised me because of where it eventually went with, you know, when you, you have uh, Nick Cage's uh, wife. And the whole idea is that um, this meteor strikes outside of his house and you, uh, you know, he's got this family and, and um, it just turns everything on its head. Everything gets crazy in this film. Uh, so it's funny because it's one of the ones where Crazy Nick Cage fits in with everything else going on around him. And same with mom and dad. <laughs> he sort of fit in, you know. He fits in with Color Out of Space as well. I really enjoyed this movie. And um, for me, you know, you were talking, Josh, about thrillers for 2020. Sci-fi, I think, also mm-hmm. was a yes. big factor in the films of 2020. So, um, and this one uh, fits in that. I think perfectly. So yeah, color out of space is, is my number five. Awesome. My number five is a movie called the invisible man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say one that someone else hasn't said yet, but we'll see. Um, yeah. The invisible man. It's a great film. <laughs> I had never <laughs> seen the handmaiden's tale and I never got into mad men all the way. So I, wasn't as familiar with Elizabeth Moss in the ways that the people who love her know her. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember seeing uh, the one I love with Mark Duplass a few years ago. I really enjoyed that movie quite a great deal, but uh, you know, they're just, I don't know. There was some, I, she just never really stood out to me. I didn't really get what all the hype was about, but I do think for me, the invisible man was the movie that I was like, okay, she's really good. <laughs> and uh yeah she did a fantastic job here i think you're again we're dealing with trauma Uh, you know gaslighting is a big kind of buzzword in in the world the last couple years and i think this movie Mm. uh, illustrates that well and so yeah it's uh it's a great take on the invisible man i personally would like it more if it was like he's drinking a potion (laughs) instead of a a super (laughs) suit but whatever you know i'll take what i can get they gotta they gotta make it believable for today's audience and yeah, I thought this was a great Universal Monster movie. More of the same. Give us more of the same. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, Dave, what about the listeners? Number five. All right. The listeners number five is a little movie called The Lodge. All wow. right. Yeah. And I think that is a strong, strong pick for number five. So this is from Frank Tweets, one of our listeners. This was his number one film, The Lodge. And here are his comments. Frank said, I didn't like Goodnight Mommy. I thought the twist was predictable and the violence was pointlessly cruel. Franz and Fiala took a big risk by basically doing the twist all over again. This film shares more DNA with Goodnight Mommy than either of the Black Christmases do with Black Christmas. (laughs) but they get it so right this time keeping the audiences guessing throwing in believable supernatural twists straight out of a gothic horror story and casting riley co and two incredibly strong child actors from the jarring alicia silverstone scene to the creepy playhouse to the creepy cult footage this movie kept me engaged the entire time and made me afraid of the cold in a way that no movie has before the fact that there were two weeks between seeing this in theaters and being stuck at home full time made me reflect on it more and more as well. Few horror movies truly disturbed me in the way that this one did. That's great. I, you know, I don't begrudge anybody what they like. I'm excited that this worked for Frank so much. 
And you know, that's great. And I, 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 there was a time when the numbers started rolling in. I thought this is for sure going to be the listener number one, because it was so heavy on the front end, but then other things caught steam as the more Mm -hmm. votes came in. But yeah, a lot of people really love this movie and uh yeah that's great it, it is a very it is a good movie i need to revisit it it's been a while you know i yeah. watched it at a press screening with a bunch of uh, yawning film critics so awesome. <laughs> all right so number four my number four pick is another movie that was like I actually probably it's probably it was always in this range. I think it could have been number three for me for a while there as well. Uh, it's one that Wolfman has determined a he hasn't seen and b when he does see it he won't like it, which probably means he will at least appreciate it more than he thought he would. Because at least that's been my experience when I go into a movie thinking I won't like it. Uh, and that is the Hunt. Oh, nice. Ooh. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. I, I, it, it, you know, of course, ever, I'm sure everybody who knows about the hunt knows about all the kerfuffle when it was first going to be released and they pulled it and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Was there was a shooting, right? Is that what happened? I think, yeah, I think there had been a shooting and because, but it's, it's interesting because when you see the movie, it's sort of the classic conversation that I feel like has been happening my entire life, you know, like growing up reading Fangoria and reading about video nasties and just all, all the, all the satanic panic of the 80s and how everybody always freaks out about and, and rightfully so, realize violence is legit but the movie has nothing to do with any of that (laughs) okay and and it's a violent movie but it's a satire it's dark and it's 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 addressing certain issues you know damon lindelof was one of the writers on it and personally though betty gilpin as the main character she's amazing like i loved glow she's Awesome. Yeah, I don't know if either of you seen the show Glow on Netflix. Yeah, she's no. fantastic in it. Yeah, I did not see. Yeah, it. fantastic, and she is equally fantastic in this. She is amazing. Yes. Yeah, I became a big fan of hers from Glow, and I'm also an Ethan Suplee fan, which I I just saw that he was yes. in it, so I really want to see. Yes. Him now. Yes, yes. And it, it's I mean, it's 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 fun, darkly funny. It addresses some you know pretty topical things. Very topical. And, very topical. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I really uh, can't say enough about it. The Hunt is uh, my number four. So what you got, Dave? What is your number four movie of the year? My number four is one that uh, Wolfman Josh has already touched on. It is Hunter Hunter. Ah, very cool. And I'll tell you what, I when I saw this movie... I don't know. It's sort of built for me. You know, you had Devin mm-hmm. Sawa. This uh, this has to be Devin Sawa's strongest performance. Yes. Because I don't know. I didn't know it was Devin Sawa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was him at first. Uh, but then where the movie goes from there, um, you know, it, it just sort of builds. And then they bring in these, these two park rangers slash policemen is what they are. Yeah. And then when once uh, Nick Stahl enters the picture... Then, you know, it just sort of builds and builds and builds, but yet it just kept building and escalating and escalating and escalating until it got to that final scene. And you're like, wow. You know, I, I was yeah. I was absolutely blown away by Hunter Hunter. It is my number four of the year. Yeah, it's it's great. And, and again, I, I haven't always been the biggest Devin Sawa fan. I loved him in this movie. If this is the new stage of his career, I, yes. I, guess I said this when I reviewed it, I would watch a whole series on this premise with him in it like yeah. just his family living in the woods like let's see it i want to watch the whole i mean I'll watch a whole season this week um, you, watch, you know who I reminded me of was charlie hunman you know who that actor is from uh yes sons of anarchy yeah Pacific yes Grimm and yeah uh, that crimson peak yeah he was kind of the guy i that's who uh that's who um devon saw was reminding me of in this 
you, you watch him in Idle Hands and then watch him in this movie, you're not going to know it's the same actor. Yeah, for sure. All right, Wolfman, what you got? Number four. Uh, my number four is Relic. And um, this movie, I bought the Blu-ray based on Dave's review, but I had a hard time watching it because my current living situation is, is a caretaker and dealing with someone who's, you know, starting to have some dementia, you know, struggles. And it's kind of been a little bit, I'm very happy to be doing it. But as I talked about you guys off air, there's like a level of frustration and it's just kind of oppressive in other ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, not being with my kids this whole time, I've been doing this for like six months. I was just like, I don't know if I can handle watching a movie about this right now. You know, so I I almost didn't get to it because I, even though I had the Blu-ray, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can watch this, man. And I finally did, and I loved it. And it might have even been higher on my list another year because I think it's um, kind of creepy and touching in equal measure. And you know, I really appreciate everything Andred and Dave have already said about it. And it's just a great, great film. I think um, it's tempting when you have characters like this like the visit or something to kind of and it's just and always it's easy to use older people as scare tactic just like trans people are often used as a scare tactic in horror yeah. films uh, the mentally ill are always used as scare tactics in horror films um and the elderly i think in this case and so it's um it was refreshing to see the way they handled this and it felt so real to my situation that i'm in in a lot of ways hmm. made it even more horrifying and dread inducing and it's just a great movie um and i'd recommend if you know if people have yeah this is one to absolutely check out for 2020 yep agreed all right dave what do the listeners say all right the listeners at number four it is possessor coming in with uh 286 total points wow I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but <laughs> yes, that is a excellent choice by the listeners. Um, and actually, one of the listeners, Mr. Oliver Higgins, has uh, sent in a review. And uh, here's what he had to say. When telling a story, a great storyteller often begins as close to the end as possible to spare the listener extraneous details. Brandon Cronenberg takes this philosophy to its logical extreme with 2020's greatest horror film, Possessor. We are dropped into a world of mind control and corporate assassins, but those high concepts aren't explored here. Cronenberg rightly assumes we will be able to relate much more readily to Andrea Riseborough's protagonist, Tasha Voss, and instead tells us a troubling tale of our unhealthy work-life imbalance and manipulative employer. And since this is a horror movie, after all, he treats us to plenty of blood and gruesome practical effects along the way. Gave it 9.5 out of 10, Mr. Oliver Higgins did. And um, boy, what a great summation of uh, Possessor. That's that's awesome. All right. Excellent. And now we are in the top three. So number three. All right. So my number three, speaking of simple little horror movies, but I'm not going to lie. This one legit scared the crap out of me, and that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> and that is Host. Oh, nice. 
Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I initially take it off, put it like higher up on my list. I was like, no, this movie actually got me. Yep. I don't know. It was just the timing of when I watched it because it was still you know, relatively early on. I, what was the actual release date of this thing? I feel like I saw it like very shortly after it came out on uh, it was Shutter. It was like so. August, but I'm not sure. Was it? Yep. Okay. But uh, July, look, it July. was yeah. late July, late July. Well, that's a UK release. I don't know what it, it uh, what, whatever. It was in that time period. <laughs> and so I just remember, I don't know. I don't know if it was just the way we watched it. I don't know if it was when we, I, there's something about it. It got under my skin and it got me. And uh, kudos to the filmmakers <laughs> for doing yeah. that. I thought the performances were great. Uh, I, I feel like I, you know, nothing I could say about it hasn't already been said. Uh, pretty much, I'm sure everyone listening to the sound of my voice right now has seen it. Uh, but yeah, my number three is Host. Good mom. Beautiful. All right. Dr. Shock, what do you got? All right. My number three is the listener's number four. It is Possessor. Nice. I can't add much. Uh, to what Oliver Higgins had mentioned, because I think he summed it up perfectly. But one of the things I really liked about this movie, um, aside from the world it creates, you know, because it's got this awesome technology. And uh, in a way, it reminded me of Looper, uh, because it's got this great technology, but it's not using it for the betterment of man. This is not a Star Trek universe. This is a corporation <laughs> using this for profit. You know, and in the movie Looper, you had this this great technology of, of of jumping into the future and whatnot, but it was used for carrying out assassinations. In Possessor, it's used for pure profit. And the thing about Andrea Riseborough's character is that she is both the strongest uh, employee of this company, and the whole idea is she's implanted into these other people to carry out assassinations, but also the biggest liability because she has a life outside of this. And Jennifer Jason Lee plays her boss, and the whole idea is that she's saying, hey, this is a liability, you know, because a Andrea Riseborough's character has a husband and a son that she loves. When she's done a mission, She's supposed to kill herself, you know, and you see that in the, in the opening sequence, but she can't do it. There's something in her mind because she has this connection to the world. She has this husband and this son that she can't do it. And it becomes the big conflict. The conflict in this movie is the main character and the fact that she has this connection to the real world and she's working in this other world where she's carrying out these, these missions that she can't quite do it. And I loved that aspect of this film. And this is Brandon Cronenberg again. And, you know, Brandon Cronenberg, obviously David Cronenberg's son, David Cronenberg, the great director of so many awesome movies throughout the years. I love that his son has sort of carried it forward and he's done that with Possessor. I love this movie and I can't wait to see it again. You know, um, and Andrea Riseborough again, you know, from Mandy, she shows here that she can carry a movie on her own. She did a great job in this. It's a bleak film. It's not going to be an uplifting you know, movie at the end of it, but yet it ends in the only way that it logically could. As bleak as it is, it ends in the only way it could. And I loved that about it. So it's my number three. It didn't make my list, but I did get to see it. And uh, I will say that 
and maybe it's the cynic in me, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> at least the technology as it's used by the sort of, I guess you kind of call it somewhat Amazonian, type, Facebookian type company that uh, the, the one character works for and, and, and what his job oh, yeah. is to do. It's like, wow, are we headed for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's not already happening. If it's not already happening right now, exactly. It's just automated, yeah. honestly. I think it is happening, but it's just automated. There's not actually people yeah. there, probably. Yes. Yeah. All right, Wolfman, what you got? Number three. Okay, my number three uh, was another nice surprise. And again, like a Netflix original, which I had never really had on my top 10 before. You know, we'd had films that Netflix had picked up, like The Wailing, but um, I, I love seeing this from netflix it's a strong horror film his house it was a total surprise for me um Ooh, yes. a refugee couple from south sudan who are in a small english town outside of london and they are dealing with kind of discrimination and and they've got a bigger backstory that's torturing them much more than you know, the things that they're dealing with in England is kind of all the stuff they're bringing with them from Sudan. And I love this idea when we talked about, I think it was on our, our um, drive-in episode we did around Halloween time. I was telling you that story about uh, the faceless woman at the drive-in mm-hmm. in Honolulu. Do you remember that Joel? Yes. Yes. And um, there's a guy who tells ghost stories, Lopaka Kapanui, I believe is his name. And he had talked about how when all of these immigrants came to Hawaii, they brought with them their ghosts, not just their ghost stories, but actually their ghosts. And I feel like that idea is on display in his house, which I really, really liked how creative it was. Um, I, the spread there are just these really cool transitional moments that really made the movie for me. They're just uh, very visually unique. And I like that we're seeing a story about people and from a, a culture that we don't typically get to see. So it's a, it was a great horror film. It's my number three of the year, his house from Netflix. Cool. All right, Dave, what do the listeners have? What is their number three? Number three. As, as if uh, Wolfman Josh was tuned in to the listeners, is his house. Nice. Oh, cool. Excellent. Coming in with 294 total points. Um, it, it beat out Possessor by eight total points. Yeah, his house is something else. It's got that twist at the end that you just don't see coming. But the horror is working before that, when they're in that house. Mm-hmm. You know, with what they're experiencing, it's, you know, you're tied up in that. And then when that big reveal at the end, what a, it really is just a strong, strong film. It, I, I, I can't fault anybody. I will say minor spoiler did not make my list, but it is a really strong film. All right. We are moving on to number two. All right, here it goes, kids. We're gonna, I'm gonna throw it out now. Number two. My number two is a movie that I had been wanting to watch pretty much the whole year. I got it in right in the nick of time, and I am super thankful because my number two is Color Out of Space. Oh, nice. It's twofold for me. One, I am a Lovecraft fan. I haven't like read everything Lovecraft has ever written, but I've written it, I've read enough. Um and I appreciate more of a lot of the ideas and things sometimes in the like overly flowery language. <laughs> but I think that very few filmmakers 
have captured the cosmic horror mm-hmm. and maybe none have done it as well in my opinion as richard stanley i wow. thought this was just first of all i loved the way the movie looked i loved that the color <laughs> i loved the the look i loved the feel i loved the way Everything sort of uh, played out. I, I loved the uh, crazy Nick Cage performance, but I did like that kind of at the beginning. He was kind of subdued. I mean, you know, for Nick Cage, and then it it, it goes there. Um, but Richard Stanley, I remember in 1990 in ninth grade going to see Hardware in the theater, and I went with a couple friends. Oh, that's who, awesome! You got to see Hardware yeah. on the big screen. Yes, that is it was at awesome. a mall. It was like at a multiplex oh, at a mall. Nice. Yeah. And I knew enough, just enough about horror at that point. I was enough of a Fango fan who I'd read about him and I knew about the movie. I was like, oh, yeah. And I thought it was playing. So we went and saw it. Um, and it's probably important to note that, uh, you know, none of those people talk to me now um, and haven't <laughs> since. Uh, <laughs> but that aside, um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, so I, I've always been, even though he doesn't have a large body of work, uh, I've been an appreciator of his, even his Island of Dr. Moreau, as bad as that movie is, which uh, which I'll uh, I'll, bl- I'll blame uh, John uh, was it Frankenheimer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you both have seen the Lost Souls documentary, which is I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, I was going to say the movie is worth it just for the documentary to exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I think I was working in the theater when that movie came out. And I remember watching it and just being like, what is happening? But I still was enough of a Stanley fan, even though I think I knew at that point, you know, that he had been taken off the project and all um, that you you could see some of him in there. But I don't know. I think he's this, this very interesting artist. And I think it's funny. I think you made the comment earlier, Wolfman, about Nick Cage, like that the the that people have finally caught up to his acting style, or the industry has. I, th- I feel in a, in some ways maybe that's also going to be true, hopefully, of uh, Richard Stanley, because obviously this is a guy who had opportunities and they just imploded, and here he is, however many decades later, with the chance to do it again. And I thought this was fantastic. It was almost my number one. It was almost my number one. But Colorado Space. Uh, my number two, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Nice, man. Absolutely. Dr. Shock. My number two is yet another sci-fi horror film. It's again one I saw late in the game, and it is Sputnik. Mm, that's a great film. I, cool. I tell you what, I the sci-fi elements of it work. I loved how it opened the two astronauts sort of sitting in that um, that pod as they're coming back to Earth. But it's where it goes from there. The fact that this, first off, it has a extremely strong central character. Oksana Inkinshina? Uh, Oksana Inkinshina. <laughs> yes, let's go with yeah. that. I've seen her. Uh, she was either in a Bourne movie or a Mission Impossible movie or something like that, where I recognized her from. Oh, yeah, she's see. great. Let's see. Uh, Bourne. Yeah, she was in the Bourne Supremacy. She's, uh, she she's also really played the lead character in Lilia Forever. Wow. And mm. I was, I, I am actually a fan of that movie. Yeah. Uh, as bleak as it is, I actually like Lilia Forever. Lucas Moodison's, uh, was that 2002, I think. But what I liked is that she's a strong character, but she's not infallible. You know, she makes mistakes as she's dealing. The whole idea is this, this astronaut comes back to Earth with something living inside of him that only shows itself uh, at a certain time of day. It sort of crawls out of his body. 
I love that setup, but I also loved how her character is sort of testing the waters. Nobody knows how to deal with this astronaut. They basically have him locked up because of the creature. The creature is very dangerous and the creature is living inside of him. And when he's asleep, it comes out. And she's got to try to deal with it. She's got to try to figure out a way. Okay, how do we, you know, what are, what are we doing? How do we separate the, the astronaut, the hero, the national hero? This is all set during the time of the USSR, back in the, I want to say the 80s, I think is when. 83. 83, think 83. is when this yeah. is set, you know, um, behind the Iron Curtain. And she's trying to, to you know, get, make keep this guy, he's a hero, and separate this creature from him at the same time. And where it goes from there, it just gets darker and darker as the movie progresses. You know, in the age of CGI, the CGI in this movie didn't bother me at all. As a matter of fact, there were times I thought it was pretty damn impressive. You know? So, yeah, that's my number two is, is Sputnik, a movie that I was, I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. And it's, it's, you know, if, if you're going to think of sci-fi, the great sci-fi horror films, you've got like Alien. And this one, I think, is part of that conversation. And 10 years from now, I think it's something people are going to be talking about still. Don't tell Joel that or else he'll not like it. But <laughs> <laughs> I would say this is mediocre at best, Joel, and uh, give it a shot. Okay. Okay. No, no. Well, it's, it's, it's kind it's, of like, I, I love this movie, too. It didn't make my list, but um, it is really really good i think you know think of it as a foreign film you know and it's and you know so it's not quite as grand as something like the alien franchise it's a smaller independent style but for what it's doing it's operating on a very high level um it could have made my list if you know it, it was kind of for me in that middle how i said so many of my list is just kind of in that middle range of films i really really liked it though and um it was very surprising to me. I didn't know anything about it going in. It, this was a type of film, and there were so many this year. I was really judging a book by its cover. Anything for Jackson was one of those, or I just didn't feel like watching this. Every time, you know, people kept recommending it to me, and every time I looked at the poster, I even started the movie twice and turned it off, like in that in that opening scene Dave was talking about, because I was like, I just don't feel like this kind of movie, and that's not where most of the movie takes place is two guys in a pod. Most of it takes place on earth. If that's a selling point for anyone, for me, it was, I just didn't feel like that kind of enclosed film when I turned it off the first two times. I'm so glad I watched though. Cause it's, it's just one of the best movies of the year for sure. And it is a great, if you love sci-fi horror, this is definitely like this. I don't know. It's hard for me to say it's in the conversation with alien, but like Dave said, but absolutely worth your time like you're gonna if you like sci-fi horror you're gonna like this movie all right wolfman lay it out what's number two my number two is antebellum and uh hmm. this is a movie that i feel like was really um well it was embraced in a lot of ways it came out kind of like during the black lives matter period and so it got a huge boost from that i think a lot of people saw it i think it was very financially successful but with amongst horror fans there was a big backlash against this film and i you know i think some of that was social issues that people just didn't feel like they wanted a movie that was dealing with you know racism and all this stuff that we're dealing with as a society you know there's just a certain segment of the population that doesn't like to ever talk about that stuff and then there's some that don't like you know the 
type of presentation this was. This also had an issue where it has kind of a, a make it or break it kind of turn in the film. Some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it. Um, for me, it didn't, it didn't break it. I didn't, I wasn't on the love it side, but, um, but it didn't break it. And I, I enjoyed so much about the movie until that last like 10 minutes, uh, you know, I can't fault the film for that. I was completely on the edge of my seat, the entire runtime of the film, especially there were these turns that would happen, happen two or three times in the film. I was just like, wait, what is going on right now? I was so excited by that. So on board with what it was doing. There were, there were a couple of little heavy handed social moments that for me just didn't work not because i disagree with the characters i do but they just you know there were just a one or two moments where i was like yeah it's a little on the nose but for the most part not you know for the most part i think this is representing who these characters are i think it has a lot to say about race right now like get out for me i don't think this is as good as get out but i think it does something that get out does which is for me, it identified a weight on my chest that I've had that I didn't know what that was. Like, it was kind of like, oh, like, okay. And it's just, a, it is one of those representation things where it's just like, you don't see this type of story very often. And you don't see slavery, not that my, I, I, I in no way was impacted by slavery, so I'm not trying to steal any valor there. But you don't see um, slavery depicted in ways that are quite as applicable to our current time. And I thought, I thought for me, this highlighted just how absurd the entire idea of enslaving other human beings are, or think that other people are less than full people. This made that idea so crystal clear for me in a way that just other slavery films haven't, because it's easy to kind of like, anything that happened in the past, it's easy just to feel like, Oh, that was so long ago. And like, you can't, I can't relate to it. And, you know, and I feel this way about anything to do with like pioneers and, you know, colonialists or whatever. just like, I care about the issues, but they just feel so long ago. And something about this movie, well, it's not something It's very specific things about this movie. Um, just contextualized the idea of slavery in a way that is, um, was very revelatory to me and just like made it all make sense kind of in a way. Um, I, I loved it. And, you know, I, I didn't love all of it. And so for a while I wasn't sure how high this would sit on my list because I was a little bit let down by the very, very end. But yeah, I mean, it, the ride was worth it. Everything else that happened is worth it. Every performance of the film is spot on. Um, it's emotional. It's terrifying beautiful and uh yeah it's my number two it 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 didn't make my list but i'll tell you what uh uh, janelle monet as the lead was tremendous and jenna malone has never been better we talked about that on the previous episode i think she was amazing in this movie this is the year it's funny because you think of devin sawa jenna malone Two performers who were just sort of on the fringe. You're like, okay, yeah. well, they're they're sort of serviceable. Yeah, this is the year where they really came into their own. Uh, her in in this movie and uh, Devin Sawa in Hunter Hunter. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, what do the listeners have for their number two? This is the only movie that ended up with over 300 points. Uh, His house was 294. This one came in at 305. And it's a movie that's already been talked about. It is Host. 
is the oh, listener's cool. number two movie. Nice. Very cool. And does anyone have any quotes from a listener about host? I do not. No. That one surprised me. It, it jumps up. Uh, it, at the beginning, it was a lot lower, and it it, it jumped up uh, in the rankings, and that's cool. It's a very effective film, so yeah. I'm glad to see it on the listener list for sure. Agreed. All right. Drum roll, please. Let's get to number one. All right. Number one for the year. Are you sitting down, uh, Wolfman? I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm so ready. Okay. Okay, so my number one for the year. I bet you I bet you Dave already knows. <laughs> I, I have an idea. I have an idea. I That's bet, interesting because the I three bet... films I thought were in contention, you've already said. And actually, that go, I think that goes for Dave's too. I think all three films I thought might be his top three have already been said. Okay. Well, this is going to make me especially happy, especially from comments you made about five minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe more like 10 minutes ago. 10 minutes ago, maybe. Okay. My number one. Sputnik. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I was. It was so hard. Like when you're saying the whole thing about uh, Joel, it's not that great. Are you all, <laughs> and, and I wanted so bad to like let, do something. I was like, hold it in, hold it in. Don't say nothing. <laughs> oh no, dude. I love. And the thing is, again, I didn't know much about it. In fact, I think when I first heard the name, I'm like, like the. I'm thinking the the Soviet satellite. Wait, what is <laughs> what is this? And I thought I can't remember what image I saw, but it wasn't a still from the movie. I think it may have been a poster where is it you see like a cosmonaut sitting or yeah, something? It's just the like main guy's the- helmet, like space helmet with the reflection of the Yeah, I don't know if that was maybe that was even I can't remember what I saw, but something I just glanced at at one point and I thought it was like a found footage movie or something. Like I had no like I was like, eh, whatever, eh, whatever. Yeah, I'll get to it if I can get to it. But then I can't remember where I heard so I, I kept hearing rumblings about the Sputniks, but but I didn't really know anything about it. So I went into it fairly cold other than the title and i i assumed it had something to do with space <laughs> so I, oh my gosh i i i loved it first of you are right dave spot on her performance is just tremendous i thought she was fantastic i thought everybody was great yeah. in it um i am i've always had this and i don't know if it's just growing up and watching red dawn far too many times as a, as a youth <laughs> in the 80s but I've always had this like endless fascination with the Soviet Union of like in of that time specifically. And I and I think it's also because that, you know, when you're growing up in America in the 80s, like all the 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 propaganda that yeah, you know, exactly. the that's enemy. what it is. You don't know what's going on behind the Iron Curtain. You assume it's sure. nefarious. Yes. You know? right. yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 and like, and don't get me wrong. There was a lot of nefarious stuff. Oh, yeah. But I think it, it like one of the moments I always not to completely derail this to talk about Red Dawn. But one of the moments I, I did love in that movie is like that moment when they're facing when, you know, Jed, uh, the uh, Patrick Swayze character, he, he, had, he has that young soldier. And he's got right. the gun, to, you know, he's going to kill it. And it's like, it's that moment where you're looking in the eyes of somebody who's like your age. And it's like, they're, they're just another person with, a, but anyway, what I loved about this was, is that it, it, her character, especially she starts off, you know, she's very strong. She's, ve- you know, got a very strong independent streak, which shock of shocks was probably not real popular <laughs> with, with the, with the, with the Soviet right. uh, Union yeah, right. and, and the bureaucracy and everything else that was going on. And so what I love, though, is how at the beginning when we meet her that she doesn't she's not backing down. She's like, fine, cool. I, 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 yeah, and so we automatically get this introduction to her character of, of who she is and where the story goes. And, you know, you've already alluded to it, Dave, about the 
you know, the, how the alien manifests itself and just but but what it what it all ends up being it was such a cool i thought a cool take on i mean how many movies have we seen where somebody's got some kind of infestation or the how you the alien is like a parasite and blah blah and we've seen that a lot but not i don't think ever like this and i don't the the moment this made this my number one movie though has nothing to do with any of that it is the last minute of the movie Hmm. that 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 reveal and and what it turns out we had been seeing, and I don't want to say anything because again I don't want to give it away. I assume you guys know what I'm yep, referring to, yep. but but that sort of reveal, it, it all of a sudden like everything makes total sense of why she did what she did, why she was is for you know why, why she you know ends up. It, oh, it was so, I, it was, I, I didn't know. What, I was like, man, I'm gonna have to like ask yeah, these guys what they're talking about later. Then I just realized what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it just but the emotional like just it was like it wasn't quite like six sense level of like oh snap, but it was it was up. Like I was just like oh my god, okay, that was cool. I liked how they it was did a nice that. Detail, so yeah. it was it was a really cool detail because it was like that you would never. I mean. It, but it didn't feel like a cheat. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like they had pulled the wool right. over my eyes and like, oh, you guys cheated. That no, it was. It felt earned. The whole piece of it. And so anyway, I love the movie. I thought. In fact, I already told my wife this weekend. I want her to see it because she's not a huge subtitle person. I was <laughs> going to ask you because I remember we were texting. You had mentioned that this is one you were going to wait because you wanted to see it with yeah. your wife. I was going to ask what she thought I, of it, but she hasn't seen it yet. No, and I almost that's why I said Dave may have an idea because I was all I started it and I was like, oh, this is like way better than I thought what I was gonna get, and and then I thought because my wife likes sci-fi horror type mm-hmm. stuff and, and she loves the Alien franchise, so I'm like, okay, maybe I should wait, maybe I should wait and watch this with her because you know I'm sure I would have liked it, but what I want you know they, you know there's only so many hours in a day, am I gonna want to watch it again anytime right. soon? And then and I was like, but I was like, no, this is too. I gotta that's finish so funny, this out because I, I think your text was, I'll watch it again with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's why when I texted you, I was like, "Holy crap, I loved it." So that's why when I figured you you hadn't heard me mention it yet, right? I was wondering. I was definitely. I I I had an idea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, Sputnik. I loved. That's my number one. Hey Joel, there are three films. I don't know if you've seen them. Tell me if you have. Okay. Okay. But I think if you see them, okay, I think there's a chance they could creep onto your list. But but what we really want to say is they're barely watchable. And but you want me to stomach through them. I got no, no, it. No, okay, I, think go ahead. You, I think you'll like all three of these. They're all in the uh, thriller okay. Okay. horror okay. category. Like they're all right, all right in that line. But I think okay. you are the audience for all three of them. I don't want you to get your hopes okay. up because they're all smaller films. None of them are like, okay, you know, have, have a lot of gusto, but they're, they're all quality gotcha. films. If you just keep okay. your expectations okay. appropriate. <laughs> I, you know, like calm down, just calm. Well, well you, you know, I just, <laughs> I know it's what you mean. I you're like, get it's you. funny because you're in some ways you're the hardest person to recommend movies to <laughs> because on one hand, I feel like I have a really good grasp of what your tastes are. But on the other hand, I feel like everything I recommend you don't like because it gets you like you get excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like if, if Josh is telling me it's gotta be great. Well, not Wait, just what, me, what? but just like just generally like when you hear <laughs> a movie true. is good, yeah. you seem like you like it less. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. me. Yeah. It's weird. It's a country. It's a weird contrarian streak. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, thing is you get really excited about it, and then it's not as good as yeah. you were hoping it was. Maybe I don't know. I'm yeah, giving you the best. That's probably it. My point is, sure. is have like limit your expectations for all three of these. But I do. Th- I okay. would be very curious if you watch these three movies to know if any of them were able to creep onto your list. Okay. A good woman is hard to find on Shutter. Okay. Run on Hulu. 
Okay. And Hunter Hunter. I'm not sure where that is. Maybe Amazon. Hunter Hunter, okay. I think, I is on tell- Amazon. Yes. I will tell you now, I've seen two of the really? three. Really? Okay. Interesting. Ooh. Interesting. I- and 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 we're not done yet. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so I, I and one of the two i i i of all of the ones that i have seen on this on the three you recommended i enjoyed the two one i liked significantly better okay 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 so we'll, we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> all right so uh, where are we up there uh, see so we're on dave's number one all right. right my number one of the year will be revealed right after i take a piss hold on i'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I was recording just then. Oh my god, I'm about to pause it now. Okay. Okay. All right. So, D- Dave is back. I'm back. Okay. What is your number one? My number one. Now I look at the last couple years. Both of my number ones have been from South America. It was Terrified and The Night Shifter, and both of those films have something in common, in that there were moments in it that absolutely blew me away that I was not expecting. For my number one for 2020, it's Back to North America. All right, this is a film um, from North America, and there were so many moments in it that just I was just like, whoa, as as it was playing out. And it is anything for Jackson. Wow, is my number oh, one nice. movie, yeah. dude. Uh, that's one in twenty. Yeah, I'll tell you what. As this, as it was playing out from that opening scene, that opening long take of the couple sitting there and they're having this conversation and what happens from that point on, the whole thing is they become Satanists for a greater good. I mean, when do you ever see that in a movie where an older (laughs) couple become Satanists for a greater good, (laughs) you know, to bring their young grandson back and you see the grandson, but you shouldn't see the grandson. When you realize what's going on. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Everything after that, it was just like, I mean, it's five times in this movie. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yep. And it was from start to finish. I can't wait to see this movie again. When I look at all of the films in the previous years that were my number ones, I'd love to just have a, a day where I can sit from 2015 to now, watch all of these movies together. And anything for Jackson would be right at the top of the list of movies that I want. I, I just can't wait to see this movie again. Yeah. It yeah. blew me away. It is my it's number great. one of the year, and it would be in my top three for any of the previous five years, to be honest with you. Hmm. It's that good. I wow. loved this movie. I'm so yeah. glad because I was ranting about this movie on the last episode, and mm-hmm. I am so glad you both liked it. Because it is a weird movie in a lot of ways. Like I can understand if people don't like it because it's just so different, you know? Yeah, it is. But that's what works in its favor, man. It is just, it's yeah. And, and some of the moments, like just in good old fashioned horror terms, there are some moments in that movie that are freaky. Oh yeah. yeah. Freaky, freaky. Like I I said in my original review, I was so glad to be out of that house at the end of it. I was like, thank goodness that's over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's uh, it's got characters in it that you don't you you like the older couple who have perpetrated this whole yeah. thing, but then you kind of like the woman they've abducted as well, and you feel bad yes. that this woman is tied to a bed 
with all this horrific crap going on around her. And I liked the yeah. totally terrifying Satanist too. Like I kind of like everybody yes. in the movie. Yes, because at first you're thinking this is just a, a, a geeky dude. Until you realize yeah. at the end, it's like, yeah. oh my God, this is the personification of evil. Yeah. I also love how yeah. seriously he takes his world. Like, yes, you know, like uh, one of the screenwriting one-on-one tips they have is, um, you know, if you want to make a character likable, they don't have to be like necessarily likable. Just make them an expert at what they do, and that's right. kind of how I felt mm-hmm. about him. I was like, I yes. that. <laughs> yeah. and the moments with the cop, I don't even want to go any further oh, than that. If you haven't seen anything no. for Jackson, see anything for Jackson. Yeah, it's great. It is fantastic. Nice. Great oh, number that's one, exciting. Man. Great pick. And you know what? All three of your films have in common that you didn't mention. They're all Shutter exclusives, which you can yes. try. To <laughs> okay. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Wolfman, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Yeah. So my number one film is also a North American film, um, but this one is North of the Border. Uh, mine is a Canadian film, and it is Blood Quantum. I knew it. And you know ah. what? I can't fault you. This is a strong movie. And I had a feeling as I was watching it, I was thinking, I think this could be really high on Wolfman Josh's list. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it deals with a lot of stuff that just is I'm, I'm passionate about. I think about a lot. Blood quantum, the phrase, the term, I should say, is like a big deal within indigenous communities because it is imposed by the government to say you have to have X amount of native blood in order to be eligible for land, government programs, all of the stuff. And it was imposed in order to disenfranchise people from, you know, their genealogy, essentially. So you can be a direct descendant all the way down and 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 have this in your lineage. But if your blood quantum isn't high enough, they can say, well, sorry, you're not eligible for XYZ benefit. And so it's kind of this controversial issue within indigenous communities. So that already just from the title, I was like, what is this going to be? And then the fact that that actually plays into the horror that, and you have a situation here, and this is from IMDb, the dead are coming back to life outside an isolated Micmac reserve of red crow, except for its indigenous inhabitants who are strangely immune to the zombie plague. So then it, it brings into question, how much native blood do you have to have in you to be safe? And that is such a interesting idea coming from uh, Jeff Barnaby, who is a native director from this area. Uh, he's from a, a Micmac First Nation in Canada. I just thought this is crazy. And it's also the first, as far as I know, native horror film made from the perspective of uh, Native American people. So I don't know. It's just, it, it worked for me in those ways. If you are tired of the zombie subgenre i could understand why this just feels like more of the same it just feels like uh, you know another episode of the walking dead you know whatever it is i can understand why some people were not super excited about it for me when i started thinking about it deeper i just got so excited about what it was saying and what it was doing and it's totally original in that way it's doing something that's never been done in that sense and so i i really appreciate it in that way on top of that I think there are just some insane gory moments that you haven't really seen before. They're mean. And and that was actually a turnoff for me at the beginning. The first like really mean scene. I was like, 
oh, I don't know if I can if I can stomach this one, but <laughs> and, but you know by the end I was just like, man, I really like this movie a lot. So anyway, um, everything I said is not going to mean a lot to most of our audience. <laughs> because indigenous people are such a small percentage of the population. But I guess what I would say is it's coming from a different perspective than you normally get to see. So if that excites you in horror, it does me. I think that's a reason to check out blood quantum. It's my number one. One of my few disappointments this year is not this movie. It's that I didn't get it in. This was one of the, two or three that I was trying really hard to get in before. And I'd be honest with you, at the beginning when it first came out, I was like, I, th- I watched the trailer. Um, I, I went against uh, Dave's religion and <laughs> <laughs> watched the trailer. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. But I got to be honest, I am a, I've seen every episode of Walking Dead. I watch, I watched an insane number of zombie things that come out. It's like, so I was kind of, and especially with, you know, oh, I don't know, the pandemic. I was kind of like, eh, do I really want to see something about more people getting infected, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it was always there. And then I know you had given it that original review, Wolfman, where you li- you liked it so much. I was like, God, I want to make sure I get this in. And then I completely didn't. And I, so I, I still am going to watch it. But unfortunately, you know I didn't get it in, it in in time. And it did not make my list, but it is a very good movie. And a lot of what Josh is saying is is what I loved about it, really. I It's, yeah. it's you know, it, if you think you're tired of zombie movies, this is not your everyday zombie movie. I, I did love where they went with it. Uh, as far as the story and the idea with uh, the indigenous people um, and, and where they took it, I really did love it. it. It's this is a strong, strong film, and I I can't fault them for putting it number one. Absolutely, yeah, I love the performances too. Um, you know, there were just some great native actors that haven't got a chance to you know star in movies and play these kind of roles. Again, like it's not just a simple like. Um, politically correct representation thing. It's like, these are fantastic actors who don't normally get to play these roles. And so it's really exciting to see Michael Gray eyes in his role is amazing. He was in another movie where he played almost the exact polar opposite of this character at Sundance this year called wild Indian, another great horror thriller. And um, he's becoming one of my favorite actors. And we just weren't in a time previous to this where I would have ever known that because he's never going to get a chance to be anything other than kind of like a background person or the one, you know, native character in a movie. And so now we're kind of in this world where he can be a lead of multiple movies in the same year. And, you know, he's becoming one of my favorite actors. So it's just exciting for me in that way. You know, it's not just a token kind of thing for me. It's, it's opening up new things to appreciate. So anyway, that's kind of my take on it. Very cool. All right. Okay, so now we're going to get to the listener number one. And before Dave reveals the winner, I'm just, I want to honor all of the people who contributed their yes. lists to our show today. And I'll read all of their names at the end of the show as an additional thank you. But I want to read out everybody's number one so that everyone gets on the show because um, we just appreciate you taking part in our show and also a lot of cool movies that aren't in the top 10 that everyone would have seen. There are some lesser known films in there. So let's shout them out. Here we go. A serial killer's guide to life after midnight antebellum anything for Jackson blood quantum bloody hell color out of space cruiser death of a vlogger freaky host his house. Hunter Hunter, Impedigore, Invisible Man, Love and Monsters, 
Open 24 hours. Possessor. Relic. Scare me. Sea fever. She dies tomorrow. Spontaneous. Sputnik. The dark and the wicked. The hunt. The invisible man. The lodge. The wolf house. The wolf of Snow Hollow. The wretched. Uncle Peckerhead. Underwater. Unhinged. VFW. And Vivarium. Those are the number one movies of our horror movie podcast listeners. Obviously, some of those got 100 votes and some of them got one vote. But Mm -hmm. of those who submitted their votes, those are the films that made it into the number one slot. So thanks to everyone who submitted them. Now, drum roll. What's going to be the number one, Dave? The listener's pick for number one. As I mentioned, Host received uh, just over 300. It got 305 total points. This movie got 418 total points. Uh, And just down the line, it was covered in every single, from from 1 to 10 votes in every single one of those categories. It is Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. Yay. Very cool. Personally, I think that is an excellent pick for number one. Uh, It was actually very early on the year. It was in my number one slot as well. So uh, I... I, I honestly have nothing but kudos to the listeners for picking a, a great one uh, yet again for the number one movie. I think that's the only horror movie I saw in theaters this year. So, yeah, me too. Awesome. Other than, well, other than the creature from Black Lagoon, which was playing at a historical. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. All right, then. So those are the lists. Let's go ahead and jump right into honorable mentions. If you guys want, I can go first. I'll just list out my my five honorable mentions. I think you'll uh, you'll appreciate most of them <laughs> uh, right off the bat. Hunter Hunter. That is why I was saying I was holding off. OK, <laughs> on. Uh, it, it, it kind of eked it. It was actually between it and Becky. Becky ended up being in the top 10, but I kind of kept going back and forth between nice. those two. Uh, yeah. And ju- dude, just the last few minutes of that movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, the turn it takes. Yeah, it, did, it didn't need to have a werewolf. It was so <laughs> much. Uh, so, yeah. It, it, so that was that was uh, my first one. Uh, Freaky. Nice. Which, yeah, which almost was in my top 10, but not quite. I, I I did enjoy it quite a bit, though. The Mortuary Collection, which I was actually had been turned on to by my uh, my good friend uh, Tyson Hanks. Uh, he uh, he told me about it and I watched it and I just I liked there, there was a lot about it. I liked so it's a fun I'm movie. A, it's a really fun movie. Yes, sure. it is. Uh, Gretel and Hansel is also in my honorable mentions. Dave nice. and uh, the the Lodge awesome. is my. Wow. OK. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right. So. Dave. All right. My five honorable mentions are, and I'll just count them down from 11 to 15. 11 is The Lodge. Uh, 12 is more horror adjacent, I would say, than than a horror movie, but it's still one that I thought was awesome. And it's from the uh, creators of uh, the film The Endless from a few years ago, which made my top 10. It is Synchronic. Nice. I, I did not get to that one yet. It's a good, it's a good one. Uh, 13 is Deerskin. One of the weirdest movies of the year, but I absolutely <laughs> loved it. It's really good. Uh, number 14 is a movie that Josh had quote unquote hated. It is The Wolf House, the animated movie from South <laughs> oh, America. Did I hate that movie? <laughs> <laughs> 
And my number 15 is um, a movie that might not make Joel too happy. It is VFW. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm, a, I'm mad at myself. <laughs> so those are my honor, my five honorable mentions. Okay, mine, I'm cheated. I cheated so much, you guys. I'm sorry. Um, my number five is a two-way tie between the beach house and color out of space, because I feel like those are kind of similar vibes and I, mm. they both kind of have a Lovecraftian feel to them. And I love what both of them did. My number four is a two way tie between two other films <laughs> that also had kind of a Lovecraftian element to them, but just not as much as the beach house and color out of space. I love both of these. They're both sea movies, sea fever and underwater. Mm. My number three is run, which it sounds like Joel did not like cool. as much. Well, no, actually, I, I was gonna say I did like it. I just it, it all it was a while after I saw it. I was thinking, yeah, I could put it, but I just it was one of those where it was like what you were talking about earlier. Like it was like that more middle of the pack for me. But I did enjoy it. Like I liked. I thought it was such a cool dislike. conceit for this type of film. Yeah, it was fun. Yes. Uh, number two yes. was Bad Hair, which I thought was just a very original film, and you mm-hmm. know, it, it didn't all work for me, but I loved everything about how, yeah, just unique it was. And then my number one is a lot hashtag alive. I thought that was a really oh. fun zombie oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, that was. It could have even made my top ten in some ways. It's just a fun movie. First time mentioned. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was the other one I was hoping to get to before we got to the recording. Good but one. oh well. No, you've got a fun, <laughs> couple of fun zombie movies to check out. Yep. 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 Listener honorable mentions, Dave. What do you got? All right. Uh, for the listeners, um, their number eleven. With 117 points was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Number 12, 111 points is Scare Me. Number 13 with 110 points, one behind uh, the uh, second honorable mention is Sputnik. Nice. Ah, there it is. Uh, 108 points coming in was Hunter Hunter. And rounding out cool. the five honorable mentions with 104, anything for Jackson. Nice. I, I will actually post in the comments for this episode all of the listener votes like I did last year. So you can yep. go and see exactly what movies got what votes. Yep. All right, then let's move into horror adjacent. Uh, interesting to note, this particular movie I picked was actually originally in my top 10. And up until like right before we were going to record and I was like, you know, Technically, it's not remotely a horror movie, like not even close. So like, ah, I and there was other movies that I really, you know, want to make sure I put in the horror list. So I'm like, OK, that's the top 10. And, and I had forgotten we had the horror adjacent. I was like, OK, you know what? I'm using I, that's where it goes. It's the horror adjacent. But I absolutely love this movie. Uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the documentary. Oh, awesome. That, Very cool. Yes, I've. I figured because at first, you know, horror adjacent, you think, well, that could be a movie like Hunter Hunter, right? I mean, yeah. it's kind of, I mean, I mean, definitely a horror movie by the end of it, but it's, you know, you can make it kind of argument. It's kind of something else like a drama and blah, blah, blah. But Scream Queen was just so emotional and just so, I don't know, I love Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So it had all all the right beats. Um, I think, you know, just Mark Patton and, and getting to hear his story. It, it was just really great. Yeah. So that is my horror adjacent pick. Beautiful. All right. Actually, I got uh, two that I just want to mention uh, real quick. Um, the first is a film called Baccarat. Okay. The idea is there's this uh, small village. I say, is it in, in South America? I think it's in South America. And the funny thing is, is the first part of the movie is you're just sort of living with these characters in this village until you find out that Udo Kier has led some very wealthy uh hunters 
who are descending on this village who have paid top dollar to hunt and kill the villagers. The village gets word of it and decides to fight back. Um, Baccarat is one of those movies that just sneaks up on you. It's such a good movie. I really enjoyed it. The other one I want to talk about is from Russia. It is a as much a comedy thriller as it is. I don't really, again, horror adjacent, and it is Why Don't You Just Die? Mm. <laughs> what a fun movie this is. It is a comedy. This will have you laughing, but it is also, you're going to sort of be laughing while flinching because it's an extremely violent film. The idea is uh, the main character is this Russian uh, detective, I guess, policeman, uh, who there are several characters who want who want him dead, some from the outset, some learn things about him and want to kill him. And it all takes place, or the majority of it takes place in this character's apartment. Um, just a fun movie. Uh, yeah, it, it's one that I would recommend for horror fans to check out both of those, Baccarat and Why Don't You Just Die. All right, Wolfman. Okay, mine is... I almost put deer skin in here, but it is horror. I decided ultimately, but then I kind of forgot to put it anywhere. So deer skin should be on my list somewhere, <laughs> but I don't know where, uh, maybe in the run spot. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, oh. My horror Jason film I chose is called, I'm thinking of ending things. It's a Charlie Kaufman film. Ooh. It's on Netflix. There's no visceral horror in it, but it's heavy on the existential horror. And I think that is another one of these fads that we're seeing now. It's kind of like the next step above elevated horror is just existential horror, just con constant dread to the point that it feels like a horror movie, even though there's no gore or anything like that in it. Like, you know, in that, in mm -hmm. that classical horror, there's not jump scares or whatever, but uh, not that that's what horror is, but you know what I'm saying? You right. know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we get you. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking of anything. Charlie Kaufman. It's on Netflix. And Deerskin because you're It'll make you feel like crap. <laughs> Deerskin, uh, I think Deerskin is probably in the run spot of my honorable mentions. To so it, it, wait, so it, it ties with Sure, run. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's bad oh, hair and Deerskin, so there's like the human hair and then animal hair. would be. Gotcha, gotcha. So then what do we have for the horror-adjacent pick from the listeners, Dave? Do I have that? I have it if you don't. Yeah, I don't think I do. I don't think I kept those. Okay. I just have the, the main listener. List pick for horror adjacent was promising young woman was the winner okay and that's one i've been dying to see that i haven't seen yet just because yeah, me too at a 20 dollar price point right now yeah, and exactly, I'm say, say, exactly. Jo josh i'm right there with you man I, I was i almost watched it i was like ah, i'm gonna wait until it's like 6.95 that's, that's the only reason i didn't get to see freaky was for the longest time it was a yep. lot more expensive yep. I will say yes. just off by one point, just like how Dave was saying with our top 10, the vast of night was a very close second. Oh, and I oh. really liked that movie. It was like a twilight zone episode and that's how it was built. That's how it was set up. That's cool. I that's cool. really, really enjoyed the vast of night. Yeah. All right, then let's get to the unrepentant pleasure and for those of you that don't know what that means it's basically your guilty pleasure but because i have some kind of problem Joel's with the unrepentant word, about it. I, i'm re unrepentant about it i refuse to feel guilty for what you i know like. for me okay? i don't actually feel guilty it's just you know we're living in a society and that's what it's called in our society yeah and you know what i say screw society i'm called <laughs> i like that I, i'll i will take on unrepentant pleasure going forward i like that 
Yeah, because I feel like I feel like that's more well, in your before face. Before you were right? saying like, like, um, nostalgic favorite or something like that. No, it was it was sentimental favorite, but that doesn't make any sense if we're talking about like a new movie right, yes. that has, yeah, so that doesn't work. But unrepentant, I kind of like it's it's got an attitude yeah. to it. It's like yeah, I'm unrepentant yeah. about the pleasure I feel from seeing okay, this perfect. movie. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with okay. Okay, good, 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 good. So uh, for me, I am a fan of anthologies. I do not think this movie was necessarily great by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't care because there was just something about it I liked. And that was Clive Barker's Books of Blood. Oh, nice. That was on on Hulu. I enjoyed it. I wanted to fit it in here somewhere. I was like, you know what? That could be my unrepentant pleasure was uh, Clive Barker's Books of Blood. My, you know what? I'm going to say not so guilty pleasure. Unrepentant pleasure works, and I'm going to say not so guilty pleasure. It's actually a 2018 movie that just uh, was released, uh, got a wide release in 2020. It is a comedy horror fantasy, and it is Lake Michigan Monster. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. A black and white film. I'm telling you what, there are laughs in Lake Michigan Monster that rival Airplane. (laughs) it is that level of lunacy that is happening in this film and yet it is so endearing and yet there are still a couple moments in there where you're kind of like oh yeah that kind of works as horror as well but it really is a fun very entertaining film made for probably about 18 dollars there is some cgi in it it's you're not going to blow anybody away the cgi in this movie (laughs) But what blows you away are the laughs, and it is—it's so good that a lo- Arrow Video released this on Blu-ray. It's not like the movie I'm about to mention, but it kind of reminds me, of, like, of the approach of the Lost Skeleton of Cadaver, like that kind. Oh, of- okay, yep. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. Okay, uh, my unrepentant pleasures <laughs> are threefold. Um, random acts of violence. I didn't like the second half, but I loved the first half. Yes. The scene in that movie is amazing. The car scene is amazing in uh, random acts of violence. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked, I really liked everything about this movie except for the killer's lair scenes. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it and I know yeah. a lot of people didn't, but I did. So, uh, the cleansing hour is one that I just had a blast with. It was maybe the most fun horror movie I saw this year in that sense. Mm. Um, I just hadn't expected that I was going to like it so much, I guess. And uh, the third one is Blood Vessel. Again, not one that everyone likes, but there was just a lot I appreciated about it. And it's not great, but I like it. So. It kind of reminded me of 1980s Death Ship. You know, uh, yes. in, in a way. Yes. I, it's yes. almost like you could, see the, the, you could see the influence of that film in Blood Vessel. There were just a lot of these movies where I liked half of them. We Some in the Darkness, Uncle Peckerhead. These are all movies that could have been here for me. Right. Yep. I really wish I'd have seen Love and Monsters, but I didn't have time. So, what is the uh, audience? What is the, what are the listeners? What are their what is their unrepentant pleasure? Uh, yeah, I don't have that. The way. listeners' uh, number one unrepentant pleasure was The Babysitter <laughs> Two: Killer Queen. That is a fun movie. <laughs> it really is a fun movie. Yeah, I did not like that movie. That's oh, I cool. did. I, you know what? I like Jenna Ortega in it. Um, I did. I liked quite a bit about that one. I thought it was a lot of fun. Really quick, some of the others got a lot of votes from the from the listeners. Freaky, Uncle Peckerhead, Yummy, Tremors Shrieker Island, <laughs> Fantasy Island, and Aqua Slash. Those had the most votes of all. <laughs> nice. 
Very cool. All right. So now a category that I'm not a massive fan of because, you know, I don't like focusing on disappointments. And my disappointment will probably be very easy to predict. And it's more about being disappointed in myself. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know where I'm going, kids. For me, it's VFW. Mm. And again, I'm not saying the movie's bad. I actually think the movie's quite good. I just think for whatever reason, it didn't work for me. And I'm still going through therapy to figure out why that would be. (laughs) Because on paper, that movie should be my favorite of the year. Like that movie should have pretty much been my number one. Right. I, I, I honestly thought happened. it might have been. And <laughs> when I first saw it, I, I know, thought, seriously. wow, Joel's going to love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this is, oh my God, it's got all these elements and these these character actors. These, oh my God. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I need to, re- I think, Wolfman, you made the recommendation. Give it some time. Let, let it cool off and go and revisit it, it. And I think that I might have a different experience. I hope. Everyone's least favorite movie is somebody else's favorite movie. So Right. Sure. Sure. For sure. I just don't, I'm honestly, my, the reason why we should call this category disappointment is because it's disappointment oh, in myself. Oh, That's really what it comes Yeah, I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm Be being honest. All right, so, uh, no, that, that was the previous category. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> Dave, what is yours? You know what? I got a couple of them here. I am going to go with a movie called Broil. This one was uh, directed by uh, Edward Drake. And it actually stars uh, Jonathan Lipnicki, uh, plays a interesting character. And why it's disappointing is because there are aspects of it that I loved, but it's too confusing. You wonder who these characters are. Characters come in and out of the movie and like, well, who the hell's that? How do they connect to the film? It could have just been so much more. I didn't, I, but I would still say, check it out and let me know what you think of it. It is Broil from 20, uh, again, yeah, it's a 2020 movie. Uh, directed by Edward Drake. I'd be interested to see if anybody else could kind of make sense of it because there were parts of it I I absolutely adored, but it just it didn't quite come together for me. Isn't that the kid from Jerry Maguire, Jonathan yes. Lipnicki? Oh, yes, okay. it is. He's he's the one, and you know what? He plays an interesting character in it. I don't know. It just like I said, it just didn't come together for me. All right, Wolfman, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Really? <laughs> I guess it kind of makes sense. It was the one that I had the most excitement for that disappointed me the most. I, I, I was, Again, I'm like you. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I, I recognize yeah, yeah. that one of our listeners' favorites. It was your VFW. <laughs> it may be something wrong with you, not the movie. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong with me. <laughs> Let's be clear. It's the movie's fault. <laughs> no, of course, uh, of but, course you know, it it's fine. I, I, I don't hate it as much as I did when I first saw it. It's, it's very much grown on me, but it was my biggest disappointment. Hmm. All right. What about the listeners? And the listeners' biggest disappointment of 2020 was The Pale Door, which I absolutely get. (laughs) I absolutely agree with them as well. While we were totaling this up, Josh and I sort of, we were joking that some of the movies that ended up in the top three of the listeners also ended up on some lists as most disappointing. That just seems to be the way it is every year. It absolutely did. That's kind of what I was alluding to, Joel, when you, you know, when you were apologizing about VFW. Listen, okay, so it's The Pale Door and The Grudge. Let's listen to the rest of the list of biggest disappointments. Possessor, The Invisible Man, Gretel and Hansel, wow. Antebellum, Host, and Castle Freak. Like, those those <laughs> wow. were all, like, in the top 20, you know? Wow. That's interesting. That's how it goes. That is That's interesting. How it goes. Yeah, it is. It's subjective, well, man. It also yep. speaks to, yeah. it's not just us, maybe, that goes in with these expectations. You hear all this good stuff sure. about a movie. Yeah. You're, for sure. you're expecting it to really blow you away. Yeah. 
All right, so real quick, we're gonna we're gonna do the most anticipated horror film of 2021. I will go first, and this is a tough one because there's actually a few that I'm very much looking forward to, and it's a close tie. But if I'm being honest, the number one for me is Halloween Kills. Like without it, like that's definitely it. Candyman is like right there, like right right underneath Halloween Kills. But Halloween Kills for me is my most anticipated. Yep, can't argue with you. What about you, Dave? Uh, I'd say Halloween Kills would be up there, but I'm going to go with Candyman just because of what uh, Jordan Peele has already done. I've loved both Get Out and Us. I would probably put Candyman as much as I can't wait to see Halloween Kills. I'm just going to put ha- Candyman, a, give it a slight edge just because Jordan Peele's involved with it. Yeah, he didn't direct it, just to be clear. But- no, I understand that, but you know what? I, I, I just, I'm looking forward. That's the one I'm, I, I find myself, because it's also one of my favorites from the 90s. I mean, yeah. it's just behind Scream as my favorite horror film from the 1990s. So I'm really anxious to see uh, where that goes. But Halloween Kills is a damn close second. I'm really right between you guys. I can't decide. Like, I, I, my <laughs> heart hard. says Candyman. But if I'm, like Joel said, if I'm totally honest with myself, just as an <laughs> insane super fan, I just want to see more Michael Myers all the time. So, like, yeah. I'm most excited yep. about the new vision for Candyman. Like, I'm very excited to see what that's going to be. And I'm so full of anticipation, but my horror nerd just wants to see more Michael Myers. Like, right. Give me more Halloween. And the listener's most anticipated horror film of 2021 by a landslide, Halloween Kills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not even close. But what's really cool about the last, what, five years in horror is that, let's be honest, the movies that are going to make our top lists, we don't even know what they are yet. No, yeah. that's true. You're right. You know, because yep, of the, the way that, right. the independent, that, that the independent films are released, the way they come out, they start at the film festivals. There are movies right now we know nothing about that in the end of 2021 are yeah. going to be in our top five horror films. That's and true. how cool is that? Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, you know what? We're here, Dave. Let's go yeah. through some of the other listener most anticipated of 2021. That's what I'm yeah. excited about now. I'm done with 2020. Bring on 2021. Absolutely. Um, close tie for number two. Uh, you know, numbers two and three are Candyman at number two. And right behind that is Antlers at number three. Um, both films I'm Ooh, excited yeah. for. Absolutely. Um, Spiral, the new version of Saw that's coming out is mm. close behind at number four mm. a tie at number five is the quiet place two and godzilla Ooh. versus kong just behind that is terrifier two which uh, i don't know what that is is that terrified two no terrifier that's oh, the one with art, art the clown art, art the, the clown. clown okay yeah interesting and right behind that is the new installment from the conjuring universe so uh yes uh, the devil made me do it so lots of great films to look forward to um, also on our list here from the listeners, we have The Collected, which I haven't heard of, hmm. Army of the Dead, which I believe is a new Zack Snyder yes. zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Censor, which I'm not aware of yet. Hmm. Ghostbusters, which I'm very excited yes, for. Yes, I can't wait. That, that, that one, again, I don't want to watch trailers anymore, but I did end up seeing the trailer for that one, and it just got me so hyped up to see that film. Mm, you too. In the Earth is one... Hmm. What is that? Did I, is that I one that know. I saw at Sundance? Oh, I saw that at Sundance. Yeah, that's pretty oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Um, Last Night in Soho is the new Edgar Wright film. I'm very right. excited yep. about that. Yep, me too. 
That's up there too, man. There's so many movies I'm excited for. I can't wait. A lot of a lot these of- we should have seen already. We should have been talking about these in our top 10, some of them. But, you know, uh, right? You know. Um, this one is from uh, a lot of people have already seen this next one, Psycho Goreman, um, which came out from the oh, folks yeah. up in Canada. What's mm-hmm. the Astron 5? Right. Oh, wow. They've, they've done two movies I've loved. Yes. <laughs> Willie's Wonderland um, is a Nicolas Cage movie. Nice. The Reckoning, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, Saint Maud, which I've heard some good things about. Yes, me too. Have not seen it yet. The Green Knight, which I don't know anything about. There's someone inside your house, and a reboot of Wrong Turn. So uh, I've heard go. about. I, I've heard. I've heard mixed things about the reboot of wrong term, but I'm, okay. I'm just going by uh, Facebook. <laughs> what yes. I've seen people posting on Facebook. Let's go back to, there were a couple of listeners who sent in comments about their number one that didn't make the listener list. So we can read the rest of those that we have now. All right. Well, I have one here from Richard frame. Uh, and what he says is, hi, I just submitted my entry for the top 10 of 2020 via the website, and I'm looking forward to the podcast relaying the results and hearing your top horror flicks of the year. Mayan was the Russian movie Sputnik, a super creepy alien-centric horror movie. It's somewhat like what would happen if Ripley had gotten back to Earth with the alien, but with some twists mm. and new angles. I really like the, psycho- the psychologist and her efforts to understand both the Russian cosmonaut and the creature. I also really liked how they discovered the creature and when how it appears. Not sure if we're supposed to exclude spoilers, so I'm being somewhat vague. Anyway, short and sweet, I really like the movie. Love horror sci-fi combos and horror woods combos. So this was right up my alley and was very excited when I saw it show up on Hulu. Love the show. Again, Richard Frame. Nice. Yeah, thank you so much. That's awesome. And I, 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 that was my number two of the year, so I can't argue with you. We've got a couple emails and one from Twitter here. This one's from Greg Bench, uh, the gray man. He says, indeed, yeah. 2020 was a nightmare year for many horror films flourished despite all that fell apart. So many candidates could take the number one slot. Horror is completely subjective and even mood driven. Each film appeals to the individual viewer in different ways. The Invisible Man was my number one for most of the year and still could be. However, I recently viewed Freaky and it's close to a 10 for me. I gave it a nine out of 10. This was the film I needed and wanted for 2020. I avoided going to the movie theaters for this, yet I avoided as much unnecessary exposure as I could. Thank you for that, Greg. Consequently, I waited until I could own it. However, the physical copy is not yet released, and so I have the digital version. Freaky ticked off all the checkboxes I needed it to. Clever dialogue, creative slasher kills, good subplots, great characters, and wonderful direction. It was a believable acting from both Vince Vaughn and Millie's Catherine Newton. She was perfect. The way the story unfolded could have been sour quickly, yet it was endearing and clever. A must-watch for any upcoming horror fan. So yeah, I changed my number one and number two around just today. The Invisible Man was great and exactly what the Universal fans needed and deserved, yet Freaky is fun, and I really enjoy horror comedy. Freaky was an instant classic. Yep, I said it. Instant classic. Thanks for all you guys do. Can't wait to hear the show. 
So thanks, awesome. Gray Man. Yes, um, thank you, Greg. That's that's yeah. great. And you know what? Freaky is one I did not get a chance to see, and I'm regretting it. I really, but it's just it's too much. I'm looking. I I'll pay 19.99 for a Blu-ray. I'm just not going to pay 19.99 to to stream it. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I've not reached that level yet. I thought Freaky was a lot of fun. I think I gave it in like the 7 to 7.5 range. I really enjoyed Vince Vaughn in the film. I thought he did a great job. Um, I think the one point that Greg made that I would disagree with is I did not think it was well-directed. I thought the direction was bad. I thought the rest of it was good, though. And I will say this before Freaky is something that I've never said about a movie before. I really liked the CGI. Oh, wow. (laughs) Very nice. There was a CGI effect that happened at the Freaky Friday moment. And by the way, this movie was originally titled Freaky Friday the 13th. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, so it is a Freaky Friday type movie. The moment that happens, there's a digital effect that they did, at least the first time. And man, I was like, that looked cool. I really enjoyed that. So I rarely have that thought. This one comes from Leslie. Leslie says, hi, guys. There are two movies I saw that came out last year. The Host and the Mortuary Collection, both are Shutter Originals. Don't forget to type in HMP for a 30-day free trial. Thank you, Leslie. Appreciate the plug. Awesome. I hope did did I Leslie right. really say that, or is that a uh, Wolfman Josh edition? No, Leslie, she really said that. She really, That's awesome. Thank yeah. you, Leslie. She says, I hope I got that right. I actually enjoyed them both. I love how Host was executed. I know this isn't the first time a movie like this has been done. However, since we are doing everything via Zoom, Google Hangouts, etc., it felt more like everyday life to me. I am a sucker for anthologies, so the Mortuary Collection was right up my alley. Thanks for everything you fellas do. This year, I will be watching as many new releases as I can. Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. Very cool. Here's one from Mr. Watson. He says, hello, gentlemen. It's your old buddy, Mr. Watson. Um, he says his number one film is the dark and the wicked. Ah, perfect. He says, nice. There is a passage in the Bible that refers to the devil as a roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour. Well, in this film, the devil's steps have brought him to a desolate family farm in Texas. And we viewers can only sit by helplessly as he devours this poor unsuspecting family piece by piece. Writer-director Brian Bertino hasn't been this frighteningly nihilistic since The Strangers 2008, and I loved every dark, wicked second of it. Uh, massive thanks to Wolfman Josh, Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, and Gilman Joel for all you do for the horror community. Peace and love, Mr. Watson. Awesome. Uh, by the way, he is from the Watsy Party Horror Show and yes. Horror Movie Weekly. So thank yes. you, Mr. Watson. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and a great choice. A good, a great, A great number one. Yes. This one comes from Michelle and it's death of a vlogger. Michelle says, I watched this in the summer, two nights in a row and two different ways. First on my phone with earphones on the couch. The second on the TV with my husband, two entirely different viewing experiences. And I loved them both. I jumped out of my skin so many times in the first viewing and still on the second. I wouldn't exactly say I'm one susceptible to jump scares. My husband and I spent a good hour discussing it afterwards. What's it about in a quick few words? Paranormal, found footage, mockumentary, Scottish. If that's got you grabbed, you'll only be rewarded with a watch as this film goes really deep into the issues of social media, our reliance on it, public shaming, and how we treat each other. If that sounds heavy, it is. I did shed a few tears, but there are also laughs. When words, FUD, and the f- 
<laughs> are used in a script, it's bonus points for me. Done in a micro budget, the writer, director, editor, and star using his friends just made me appreciate it even more. So if you fancy having the scared out of you, having a chuckle and your brain prodded, I can't recommend this movie enough. And that's why it's my number one. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, hadn't even awesome. heard of that one. No, I haven't seen that either. That's great. Really appreciate that. No, no, we no, have no. one from Chuck Loaf from the 1200 Films Podcast. His favorite was Uncle Peckerhead. Nice. Says, imperfect yet overly violent, fantastically gory, and remarkably full of something you rarely see in horror films, heart. Also <laughs> a story of friendship, camaraderie, and a sense of just wanting to belong. Peckerhead pushes all of the right buttons and deserves every accolade it receives. An aspiring punk band finally gets booked on a mini regional tour only to find their vehicle has been repossessed. They befriend an unassuming bum living in a van down by the river. And the bum volunteers to drive them around. Soon the bum's insatiable secret is revealed and the band has an important decision to make. Uncle Peckerhead joins green room as the best punk horror film ever made. So awesome. yeah, interesting. Cool. That's great. Yeah, I think it's yeah. look at a cult following for sure. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. It really was. And then this one is from Ashy Slashy. Her number one film was Antebellum. She said this hit so hard, was super hard to watch. A lot like Get Out in that respect. Definitely the most horrific movie I've seen in 2020 so far. When you figure out what's happening, you just feel heartbroken and stunned all at once. Nine out of ten. Now, Ashy Slashy also was the one who saw a bunch of movies later after she'd submitted her top 10 and said, my whole top 10 would be different. So I asked her to submit an email that told us what she would have changed. So this is what Ashley Slashy said. She said, most notably, my number one pick is now The Platform, which I think was a fantastic movie. Did you see The Platform, Dave? I did, and it was very unique. That's what I liked about it, how unique it was. Yeah. Um, Joel, I should probably mention, had to step away, so he's not with us at this point, but I know he also saw and enjoyed the platform. Um, For me, this is my mini review that I wrote on uh, Letterboxd. If Marc Caro and Jean-Pierre Genet teamed up again to co-direct a vertical Snowpiercer, (laughs) that's kind of uh, my takeaway from the platform. But I did like it. A lot of people uh, related it to the Cube, which I wasn't a fan of, so I was avoiding it um, because I didn't love Cube. But Mm -hmm. I did like this, and it was cool. It was very cool. It was such a unique concept, and when you 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 just think of how it played out, like the the difference. So she says, um, the thing I like most about this movie is that it took a really simple and relatable premise, classism, and built a world around it. I find films in any story really that's structured in this way to always be the most effective. Personally, one reason I think it is is because it seems to me the simpler the concept is, the more creativity you can put into the actual story and world building while still producing something cohesive. Another reason I really enjoy this movie is that while we've seen countless tales revolving around classism, I haven't seen one quite like this before, which really excites me. You're taking an idea that is so old and yet you're still able to give me something completely different and new that I, than I've experienced before. That takes real skill, in my opinion. Another reason I enjoyed it is because this is an idea that will most likely, sadly, always be relatable and relevant. I really connected with the characters as well, especially the main character, and felt the acting in this was really strong. And what's really cool about it is you're talking about class, and, and but it changes month to month. Yeah. 
you know, you have somebody at the top one month and they act like a total jerk. And the very next month, they could be in a situation <laughs> where they're where they're on the same level as the people that they were acting like a jerk to. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love the the whole concept of this of that movie. I loved it. And the and the fact that it gives you those scenes of of the the chefs, you know, preparing yeah. those those dishes and everything and what happens every day. Oh, it, was, it was very unique and and very cool. Yeah, when you're talking about how they shifted, I was trying to figure out how that related to society and I don't know that I figured it out. I mean, other than just any of us can fall at hard times at any moment and you never right. know when it's going to be you. But one thing I thought about is the po current political climate where it's like one party controls for 4 years and they do everything they can to erase the memory of the last administration. Right. And then it switches and then the other party's in control and then they're going to spend the next 8 years trying to erase everything the last administration did and it's like <laughs> You know, I understand why there are people who are like, I don't want to meet in the middle with these people I revile. I get that. Right. But I do think we have to be aware at a broader scale of like a lot of people are going through right now what you went through and like, let's be aware of each other. And, you know, I think that it's I think what this movie does so well is show it's like, well, now I'm on top. I'm spitting down. I don't care. You know, right. <laughs> also might be the only movie other than jackass where you see someone poop on somebody oh my god what a that's that's <laughs> all right all right so thank you to all the listeners for submitting their mini reviews for number one and thank you to everyone who submitted their lists i'm just going to go through and read this really quick because why not we're here already i want to thank everybody who participated in the show here they are these are the screen names they submitted amanda williams Raul versus Monsters, Frank Tweets, yeah. Chuck Loaf, Southern Maniac, Stray, Sarah Ann Hartley, Deval Deadite, Rennie Wise, Dark Passenger, Trey Whetstone, Evil Stepdad, Gore or Die, Beer Not One, David Fear, Jackson Rawlings, Bebs Boucher, Cinephiles Assemble, Brandon S. Schaefer, Maurice Jones, Horror Guy Bry. Nisu Shaw, Jason Strong, Jody, Billy Stacy, AJ Weirdson, Carmen the Vampire Slayer, Minad Marti, Sal Roma, Tony Kanapka, Brian nice. Spurl, Michelle, Mr. Watson, Impish Scald, Tammy Joe, James, Jessica Schmidt, aka Dash Against Darkness, Shannon, Joe Brunette, Ian West, Grave Robert, Drew, Dark Mark, Wilhelm Scream, Pilly G. Sorry if I'm pronouncing some of these wrong. <laughs> Brian Price, Karen, The Horror Mailman, Billy D76, Professor Toulon, ooh, Red Cap Jack, Richard Frame, Chris Dewey, Slasher Fan Dan, The Mad Cytologist, Vicious Victor, Classic Karina, Jordan Allen, At Boiler Couple, Cemetery Man Oliver, Mixed Choice, Nathan Bartlebaugh, Sanjay, Robin, One Creepy Kraken, Joe McGregor, and Dread, Dino, Coleman W. from Texas, Gareth Young, Juan, Laughing Redhead, Anthony R. the Beijing Beast, Sean Gorman, Rick, Bill Van Vagel, Sam from Snowminton, Greg Amortis. Yes. How does he say his name? Greg, Greg, Greg Yes. <laughs> From North Kakalaki. 
Greg Amonis. <laughs> Kevin Patterson. C. Skaggs, 2000. Greg, Scott, and Serrano. Thank you for participating in our top 10 horror movies of 2020. It was a blast. We appreciate all of you. Again, I'm going to put all of the votes, if Dave, you send those to me. <laughs> yes. All of the votes yep. in the show notes for this episode. It'll either be the bottom of the show notes or the first comment in the show notes. So you can read through if you want to see exactly where your favorite films ranked with the other listeners. It'll be yep. there. Awesome. Yes, thank you so much. That's, that's great. Is there anything we're forgetting, Dave? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Okay. That's it for this episode. We'd like to invite you to get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can also find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter at horrormoviecast. And please subscribe and leave a review for Horror Movie Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And don't forget to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com slash store. We'd like to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for creating our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope you'll be back for our next episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. All of my top 10, I never watched a trailer for it. My new religion is avoiding trailers. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good religion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will never again watch a trailer before I watch the movie itself. And other than in the theater experience, you know, what are you going to do? They're going to show you trailers there. You're going to see them, you know. But like people say to me, oh, did you see the Kong versus Godzilla trailer? No, because I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie to you, Dave, though. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was incredible. But it was done by an ad man or done by no, somebody you're right. you're trying right. to draw you in, trying to sell the movie. You're not wrong. I will say they did a good job with not giving away too much of that one. But I will say, like, for instance, the Halloween Kills. Now, that was a teaser. So I was OK with that. But when they do a longer form trailer i'm gonna avoid it because of how much the first uh the first halloween 2018 trailer in my opinion spoiled some key moments so yeah, right. i agree with you yeah I, I usually what i'll do is watch like the 30 first 30 to 45 seconds of a trailer just to get the vibe and then i'm done i'm out like that's the most I'm, i do now you know what and i love trailer collections i love yeah. those 42nd yeah. street forever yeah. trailer collections i watch them all the time i love them i will trailers for me now obviously the, the word trailer means after yes they trailed the movies gotcha. and that's how they used to be yeah for me i will watch the trailer after i watch the movie that's a yeah i think it's a good my plan. favorite thing about going to the movies used to be the previews right like what we're talking about just sitting right. there before the movie started seeing all these movies i'd never heard of pop up but as the internet has come into existence you see so many more of them and they're so much more focused on what Dave's talking about, just like grabbing your attention. And, you know, they don't care. I mean, Blumhouse just straight up does not care if they spoil the movie, if it gets you to sit down in the theater and watch it. So that's a bummer to me, you know, yep. and I have had a rule since 
I remember the first movie I really thought about like plugging my ears and humming through the trailer was Inception. I was sitting yeah. in the theater and I'm like, okay, I'm like, mom, 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 I kept my eyes closed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't want to see this because I already knew I was going to go and watch it, you know, and that yeah. became my rule for the last however many years that's been. If I know I'm seeing this movie anyway, if it's a new Guillermo del Toro movie, whatever it is, I'm not going to watch this trailer because I know I'm going to watch this movie anyway. Right. If I wasn't sure about the movie or I didn't know what it was, that's when I would watch the trailer. But yeah, it's just getting to a point. But, you know, and I, and I had this happen twice this year where I didn't read enough about the movie and my, my own stupid brain created all these expectations of what I thought the movie was. And maybe in those cases, it would have been better if I'd known more about the movie. So it's a it's a tricky line to walk. But generally, yeah, I, it's just a bummer because you're absolutely right. The marketing people and especially in the studios, they don't care if they ruin the movie for you. They, they just want, want you in the scene. Yep. Like exactly. Jordan Peele had to fight to not have the reveal of Get Out in the trailer. They it was in the trailer, and he had to go to bat for that and like say like this is really really important to me that this isn't in the trailer. Hmm. Wow. And not everybody's going to do that, and not everybody has the power to do that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can you guys hear that? I do not. Oh, I hear you. I don't hear anything else. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting. <clears throat> my own relic situation. <laughs> um, here we go. You know, the great thing about life is that you need to appreciate the people you're with when you're with them. That's true. Oh, I hear it now. Because they're not going to Oh, be I, I hear it now. Somebody's warming up a cup of tea or... Yes. <laughs> and actually, I, I, I know you're saying that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, Josh, but... No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm th- being serious and... Yes frustrated at the same time. I, no, I get it. No, but but you know, I, I'm talking I, myself through. I'm talking in a serious way. I'm talking myself through something. Yeah, yes. I get it. I get it's it. Something. Something. Uh, two hours ago, you would have been. You would have. You would have been. Uh, you would have been quite content and happy. And now it's a frustrating experience. Well, yeah, I'm just reminding myself that uh, it's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've I've had often had the thought. It's like if I could have five more minutes with my dad, even if it was at one of those moments where he was annoying me. I take yeah. it in a heartbeat. Right? That's how I am with right. my grandpa. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep saying the same thing with my father because there are times my father will call me uh, incessantly, and I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this now. And I think, <laughs> you know what? I think I got to deal with this now. <laughs> yeah, it's that certain generation where you just can't let they just don't know what recording a podcast means. <laughs> yeah, it's my radio show. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, same thing with my mother. She'll call 10 times and then say, oh, are you recording a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Dave, what do the listeners have for their number eight? Before I get into that, I just have to run to the bathroom or I'm going to do something I haven't done since I was five years old. Okay. I will pause it right now. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually shaking in my seat. I'll be right <laughs> okay. back. Okay. <laughs> Wolfman Josh got to play Greta. I uh, got to play Hansel. The only, the only character I ever played um, was Santa Claus, <laughs> and it was in it was in first or second. I think it was first grade. It was the year that what? it was called. Uh, the, I don't know. We did a little play where Santa Claus. Uh, I don't know. He falls asleep through Christmas. I don't know the year Santa Claus missed Christmas. I don't know what the hell it was called. But I played Santa Claus, and we did it in front of several classes. And in the last performance, I literally fell asleep. The nun had to come over and wake me up. To get me out of the room. <laughs> so did you, did you get the role because you were like one of those kids that like hit puberty early, and so you had like the 
The beard? Uh, I didn't have the beard. I guess I had the belly. <laughs> That's okay. why I got to play Santa Claus. But uh, I would gotcha. have much rather played Hansel, to be honest with you, yeah. than, yeah. than played Santa Claus. Cooler role. Much cooler role. <laughs> All right. I don't think you can go wrong with Crazy Nick Cage. <laughs> And I think every year we get Crazy Nick Cage. I think, what was it? Well, I don't know how many years ago Mom and Dad came out. A couple years ago. Mandy. Hey, Mandy. You know, yeah, it's, for sure. It's almost as, left, as if uh, people are saying, hey, we need Crazy Nick Cage in this movie. Can you get me Nick, Crazy Nick Cage? And that's what you got in Color Out of Space. Yeah, I think um, the film industry finally caught up to what he was doing. <laughs> I think yes. that, right. uh, they knew how to use him well in like raising Arizona, but that's the Coen brothers, you know, and I think right. sure. they, they face off maybe called for his brand of acting. I'm not sure, but for a long time, it was like either Nick Cage pretending to be normal and it kind of worked like, you know, uh, what's the um, national treasure or whatever right. yes know? yes and then yeah. there was the movies where he was really doing what he wanted to do and only someone like david lynch could really handle that or Werner herzog <laughs> yeah. could really yeah. handle that yeah that's and fair now, yeah, I think that's movies are finally realizing um hey we could kind of uh build a whole world around this energy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <And laughs> I, mean, so, I go back to valley girl with nick cage yes yeah yeah well, he hadn't quite figured out his insanity with that movie yet. I think. Right. And the thing I loved about it, I watched, you know, they have those little videos on YouTube that are like, uh, Ben Affleck breaks down his career highlights in 15 minutes or whatever. I saw one with Nicolas Cage. It was so fascinating because it was, it became clear to me for the first time. Oh, he's not insane. Or at least that's not the driving force. <laughs> he's actually making conscious acting choices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I thought it was just cocaine fueled. You know? <laughs> you know what? You almost want it to be cocaine fueled. Yeah. Well, it might be that too. But it was interesting seeing that where you're like, oh, okay, like this is, you know, this is his, and, you know, he's definitely an actor where for the first, up until like two years ago, every time I'd hear him read a line, I'd be like, well, that's one way you could say it. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, yeah, I, I, I appreciate him a lot. And now it's not just matchstick men and, you know, uh, you know, the weatherman that I can appreciate him. I, I love that movies are really playing into his. Right. And let's not, let's not forget the fact that he produced shadow of the vampire. Yeah. How cool is so that? that Nicholas Cage him. produced that film. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. One of the things I liked about it was how it sort of utilized. There was something about it. When I was watching The Lodge, I thought, oh, they kind of took that from a hereditary, you know, the dollhouse. But they didn't because it builds into the story, uh, you know, uh, as to what's happening in the movie. I don't know. I really like this one. I know, Josh, you were you thought it was a little too bleak. Yeah, I mean, I saw it at Sundance like two years ago. So it, to be fair, it's been a long time. I personally didn't buy into um, the turns that it takes as as much as some people did, and I was extremely bleak. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I appreciate. It. I love Riley Coe in the film. She's awesome, and I want to see more of her. I hadn't 
no i have seen her in other movies but this is the first time i was like who is this you know right. I, I remember you know now i'd seen her in it comes at night and a few other films but this was the she, first one was. she was also in um a mad max fury road she was one of the bride one of the wives yeah, they, they, they didn't max have fury much road. to do in that movie those no not at all not or at she all she was but... in um that great film under the silver lake that kind of people didn't love that i loved right, um right. but I, but this was the first movie where she just really stood out to me as an actress where i was like oh okay i need to take note of this person because she's really good and, and what's um, what's yeah. what's really strong about her in this movie like I, I think i mentioned in the previous episode is she has to win you over because she shows up later in the movie yeah you know you see you don't like her by the time you first meet her, you don't like this character. You're like, okay, yeah, you, you know, yeah, you're you're awful compared to you know with everything that happened before. She has to win you over, and she does it. You yeah. know, I, Elvis Presley's granddaughter, which is yeah. <laughs> cool in itself, but the fact that she does what she does in this movie and wins over the audience, I thought was pretty cool. She's a really fantastic actress. Yep. All right, the listeners number three. Why can't I find it? I've got too much of it. Okay. What I love is that your keyboard sounds like a Commodore 64. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, you know, it's funny because I have a laptop that's from 2010 and I have a keyboard that I bought three years ago that I use with the uh, like plugged in because the keyboard on my laptop died about five years ago. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All right. Uh, you were talking about the Iron Curtain and you were talking about that scene in Red Dawn where you're looking at the enemy soldier. Back in the early 90s, uh, my father's a veteran of the Vietnam War, and they had an exchange with veterans of the Afghanistan War in Russia. Mm-hmm. We had a veteran over for dinner one night. We actually had an interpreter there. He spoke no English, um, and he was telling a story. He was a paratrooper during the Afghanistan War. And just to give you an idea, when any time um, when, when someone died during the Afghanistan War, their family was not allowed to bury them. Because of the fact that the government was really trying to keep a lid on what was going on in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. This guy mentioned the story that when they were going into Afghanistan, he was a paratrooper. When he dropped into Afghanistan, the story was America had invaded Afghanistan and Russia was going in to liberate it. That's what the troops Uh. were told that America had taken control of Afghanistan and Russian troops were going in or USSR troops going in to, uh, to liberate it. This man said, um, and his name was, um, uh, sir, I, I can't remember. I honestly don't remember what his name was, but he was telling the story. They landed there in a field with a shepherd with his sheep was the only person there. Through an interpreter, the troops went up to him and said, we're here to save you from America. He said, what America? And this guy said, I knew at that moment I was effed. Wow. Just to give you an idea of what was going on again behind the Iron Curtain at the time that this movie is set. Wow. Intense, man. Yeah. You know, it's going on 11 months since I've been in a theater. Me too. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, it's awful. It's just Invisible Man. And then I saw Onward with my family in March, I guess. And then that was the last, the very last movie I saw. It's funny because I looked up IMDb to give the synopsis. One synopsis is too long and the main synopsis just sucks. It just says, Bruno (laughs) follows a dysfunctional family vying to control the future of their wealth. That's probably... 
that would win as much as as this broil was a disappointment that's the most disappointing synopsis of the year that i've read on <laughs> imdb it makes no sense and has nothing to do whatsoever with the movie as it is the longer uh and the longer one i don't even know if that's any better but it's a lot longer and i'm not going to read it I think there was also just a lot of great horror TV this year. There were a lot mm-hmm. of these miniseries. I don't know if you, you probably don't watch as much of that. I didn't know. I Unfortunately, I don't. But man, these documentary miniseries about serial killers, I normally don't. That's not usually my type of thing, but man, I've been loving. There's one on HBO called I'll Be Gone in the Dark that's so wow. good about the Golden State killer. And then there's um, Richard Ramirez one, The Night Stalker on Netflix. It's super good. Um, I would recommend those to people. The one I really want to see is that when you talked about the last episode, uh, the UFO documentary. Oh, that's good. The phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I've been really anxious to check out. Yeah. I mean, it's not horror in any way other than just the idea that this is real is horrific. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon. Oh, I wonder if that's Shannon from a long time ago. I haven't heard from we had a listener named Shannon who was a gentleman from years ago yes. who I haven't heard from in probably yes. five years. Wow. Could could be Shannon. Yeah, it yeah. could be or, or it Shannon. could be or it's the or the other Shannon. Yeah. He is from the Watsy Pirate. He is from the Watsy Part. He is from the Watsy Party. <laughs>